You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for tauntauns and twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey baby, what's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. But but I was like in my head, I'm like I can totally Superboy Prime punch this, so it makes sense, <laughs> you know. I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. Hi, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. Grimlock, I told you to take care of things while I was gone. <laughs> we do a podcast? What the fuck? We're the big fan Why does Zoom hate me so much? I just want to be the master with my podcast for the fans by the fans. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us yet again on another episode of Fan Holes, your most favorite show in the world, and if it's not, it should be. It really should be. This week, we got a pretty cool little episode. We're doing, yet again, one of our little favorite jumbled shows, where we just talk about a bunch of random stuff. Those seem to be really fun. Never know what's going to come up, but this time, I'm actually going to tell you, unlike last time, where I just kind of threw it at you willy-nilly. This episode, we're going to be talking about What If. Our favorite What If stories is a comic series that's been brought back many times. It's basically Marvel's take on what if this thing happened instead of this thing, and they actually do a whole story about it. A good example, it may or may not even be a story, would be what if the Hulk never, like, got gamma rated? He's dated Bruce Banner his whole life. Stuff like that. So we're going to go into that this week. We're also going to talk about our favorite Disney afternoon show. Disney had a huge force to be reckoned with in the 90s, even the early 2000s, with Disney afternoon. Comedies, mostly comedy cartoons, a few serious cartoons, but all in all, you probably have seen at least one or two of the ones we're going to talk about. We're just going to talk about our favorites. We're also going to go into Superhero Squad. We're going to hero up, talk about a recent show that's been airing on Cartoon Network. Some people say it's kind of kitty, but honestly, it's got like a lot of Marvel history, and it's pretty funny, really. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it should be just described as a kitty show. We're going to go a little bit more into detail with that. Then finally, we're going to go into the future, yours and mine's, and talk about... The Muppets, they have a new movie coming out very, very soon. We're going to just kind of dab our finger or toes into the water there and just see what's going to go on with our favorite felt and plastic characters from the Henson Company. But to get this started off properly, I think we should make sure everybody is here. This is Tony Chainclaw, and just to let you know, yeah, don't click it, you get a ticket. There you go. (laughs) Hey, this is Brian, also known as Breakdown, and if you don't wrap it up, you might get AIDS. Odin's Donuts! This is Derek. Derek W.C. Zounds! Hi, it's Mike Thunderwing, and let me just record the special edition version of that intro. Um, hi, it's Mike Thunderwing. No! Oh <laughs> You're blinking. Blathering, blatherskite, this is Grimlock. <laughs> well done, sir. 
All right, we are all here, obviously. Like we do usually, we're just going to jump right into it. No sense dicking around, I guess you could say. So we're going to talk about our favorite what-if comic series or just in individual issues. There's been, like I said, a couple of different series that have had the name what-if. Let's go with random. Eeny, meeny, miny, Derek. It's your turn to shine. What do you, what's your favorite what-if no. comic? <laughs> I I sort of had a tough time picking, like, one single story, so I apologize if I, I have honorable mentions that anybody else has, but... I just went with standard favorites for me. I mostly read Volume 2 back in the day. I've only read a few issues of Volume 1, and I I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast. All the new kind of one-shots, I think they started coming out around 2005. I think those are all pretty piss poor, so I wasn't (laughs) going to go with any of those. So on my History of Comics on Film blog, I have like top ten comics and stuff. And actually, one of the comics I picked for Wolverine's top ten was What If Volume 2, issue number seven. It's What If Wolverine Was an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I guess that's probably controversial because, you know, it's drawn by Rob Liefeld. And, you know, but it's written by Jim Valentino. I still think it's a pretty decent story. And even if Liefeld was drawing it, that was back when either they got guys to do, you know, backgrounds for him or, you know, guys that did inks that, you know, made it look cool or, you know, maybe he was actually doing more work back in the day as a young, hungry, you know, up-and-comer or whatever. But, you know what, I I dig that story. I mean, it's got a lot, you know, stuff with Nick Fury and Baron Strucker and Dugan and Black Widow looks pretty cool and all those kind of things. So, you know, I mean, basically it's kind of a standard twist, you know, instead of Charlie coming up and saying, hey, you know, you want to come work with us, you know, after the whole, you know, Hulk Department H Alpha Flight thing, you know, it's Nick Fury who who manages to snag Logan Wolverine or whatever, and then he ends up becoming director of S.H.I.E.L.D., and because he's director of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, supposedly all the the stuff that comes to pass, like all the bad stuff like Days of Future Past and all those kind of, you know, Sentinels taking over the world and all that stuff, since he's, you know, a a high muckety-muck with, you know, official clearance and secret agent power and all that stuff, he can kind of sidestep all those horrible things like the Dark Phoenix and stuff like that, apparently. I, I thought it was a pretty entertaining story, and that's the one I'd probably go with. Just for two brief honorable mentions, just in case somebody else picks them, another one I like where Spider-Man actually does not get killed and filleted horribly <laughs> in What If, as he's apt to regularly do. There's What If Volume 2, 20 and 21, which is just uh, is interesting today, you know, to look at it in retrospect, given one more day, but it's What If Spider-Man Had Not Married Mary Jane, and What If Spider-Man Had Ended Up Marrying the Black Cat. Um, it's by Tom DeFalco, and, uh, and then the art here is from Jim Valentino, as opposed to him writing the story and the other one I mentioned. And that's, you know, it's pretty cool to look at, and, and as a Opposed to one more day where there doesn't seem to be any rules. It's like this story, it's kind of like, oh, once they break up, it's not like they move in together and eat cheeseburgers for seven years or whatever it is that they were have supposed to have done in the uh, current continuity or whatever. It's like they actually, you know, Mary Jane, surprise, when Peter Parker says he doesn't want to get married, they, they break up. Like, what a shock. Like, they do what a normal person would do and don't live together for you know, whatever amount of years. He ends up seeing Black Cat instead. Black Cat kind of goes crazy, and eventually he ends up with Silver Sable, and it's kind of a happy ending after some tragedy and nonsense that go on in between and drama. But uh, it's got some good moments. I, I kind of like the moment where he's long been broken up with Mary Jane, and she's coming home with a date, 
And it's it's a really quick scene where she just kind of, he's like, oh, I'm all messed up, MJ, and I really need to talk to you. And, you know, as opposed to most times when Spider-Man's kind of either, you know, joke cracky or, you know, kind of, you know, in his element or whatever. It's just he's kind of down and out for a second. And it's kind of cool because then, you know, she walks through the door and she's like, uh, yeah, Brad, come on in. And then he just kind of is like, sorry to have bothered you. I'm nobody. And he kind of just, you know. Does this spider flip out the, 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 the window or whatever, which I thought was kind of, or the skylight pretty much, which I thought was kind of like a cool little, you know, take on that. And then, uh, it's kind of like that. I'm nobody. Pizzazz escape. Yeah, pretty much, you know, like, cause the, the guy's like, who are you talking to, MJ? And she's like, oh, nobody. And he's like, yes. I'm nobody, and he just kind of backflips out the, the window, like, you know, the way they used to draw Spider, you know how they used to draw him with, like, you know, 20 different poses, but the other poses were all kind of faded, like, I always thought that was kind of cool, it was supposed mm-hmm. to, it, it's like a different way to display speed, I guess, you know, I yeah. guess nowadays, they used to do kind of like, Daredevil too. it was really cool, yeah. It's all kind of, you know, in the old days it was all kind of, or, you know, I guess nowadays it's all kind of anime speed lines and, and, and flashes and kind of, you know, that kind of things. But this was more kind of like a, you know, after image type deal, I guess, if you're going by anime Goku stuff, you know, it's kind of like these after images that were displaying the speed, which was kind of cool. The, the only other honorable mention I had, because it was written by Dan Slott way back in the day, maybe when he was getting tested out or whatever. What if volume two, issue number 52, what if Doom became the Sorcerer Supreme? And that's pretty cool. Like, it's a cool take where, you know, Doom is... Definitely the Jack Kirby Doom, where he's only got the tiny little scar and everything, but he ends up getting trained by the Ancient One, and, you know, Stephen Strange ends up stopping by, but it's funny because Doom's kind of like, you know, I, I think the, the, the Ancient One's kind of like, see what you can do for him, Victor, and, and he's kind of like, you want your hands to be better? He, like, chops off his hands and gives him, like, mechanical hands. He's like, there. I made you some fucking awesome hands. Now go the fuck away. You know, so it's like funny shit like that happens. And then, you know, basically, you know, Doom's kind of like fighting Dormammu, you know, through the the course of the the story and everything. So that's, you know, it, it's a pretty cool take. Doom's a lot more ruthless. So there's lots of, you know, deathy outcomes for, for all the little, you know, Mordo and people in the Doctor Strange universe. It's definitely a fun you know, what if type story. And it kind of, it kind of has a basis in reality, you know, cause doom does have the sorcerer skills and, and he could have been sorcerer supreme, you know, but obviously, you know, Stephen strange was the man instead of him, but it, it's a cool take on that as well. So that's, that's basically what I got. So what if Wolverine was an agent of shield for my top one? And then just honorable mentions to what if Spider-Man had not married Mary Jane and married black cat. And what if doom became the sorcerer supreme? Cool, cool. Oh, I was going to ask you on the uh, Doctor Doom thing. I haven't read that one. Does he like adopt like the Doctor Strange cape or stuff, or is he still? Yeah, like... yeah. He basically it's it's Doom. Imagine like Doom's mask on Doctor Strange's body, and that's basically <laughs> that's cool. it looks like the whole the whole issue pretty much, except for like when he's not masked, like you know, because a lot of the times he he basically looks like you know, uh, Victor Von Doom, you know, with a little tiny scratch and he's got his, you know, his brown colored hair and everything. Like he basically walks around like that. And most parts in, when he's walking around the, the temple and everything, he's usually capeless. But then when he goes into battle against Dormammu, it's like he's got the mask on, you know, the Doom mask and then the full regalia with the cape and amulet and everything else. Cool, cool. Awesome. I have to check those out. I, I, I like more standalone stories like that myself. We're going to go to... 
I think we're going to go to Brian next. I would like to throw in a little bit of a appreciation to Brian. He is feeling a little under the weather this week, and it was just really good of you to even come out and do the podcast with us tonight, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. I'll do my best. I've always really liked What If, especially growing up as a kid, just because the stories were so unique and different than other comics I was reading at the time. Growing up, there wasn't a lot of comics where I would like reread repeatedly, you know, over and over the same issue. But a lot of the What Ifs, and actually the two I picked for my favorites, were ones that I did read over and over just because they're so different than pretty much everything else that was out there. You know, we didn't have like the end stories, and we didn't have like Ultimate Universe or all these other separate Marvel universes where there's like no holds barred. You know, What If was pretty much it. And if you're writing a, a regular incontinuity story, you know, you couldn't just kill off Spider-Man every issue. So it really yeah. gave writers a chance to open up. Two issues I picked, they're both from Volume 2, I think. One is, the, what if the alien costume had possessed Spider-Man? That's what if number four. I didn't know it at the time, but as a kid, I always really enjoyed the art, especially early in the issues, like, like the black costume is my favorite Spider-Man costume. And I remember early in the issue when he's still wearing it, I was always like, man, he looks so cool. And then later in life, I actually learned that it was Mark Bagley that did that issue. And as I grew up, like, he became my favorite artist. And he's also the guy, like, I draw the most like now that I draw myself. So even the art back then, I I felt an early appreciation for his work. The story itself, it was a good, it was a good, like, Spider-Man issue, you know. It wasn't like... Like, all super jokey, you know. It, the the costume's more of a parasite in this this particular issue rather than a symbiote. So it, like, drains Spider-Man's powers and his, like, I don't know, his youthfulness. It just, like, sucks away all of his life force. So by the time it rejects him to move on to someone else, you know, Spider-Man's this old man. And, I don't know, it's just kind of, there's some touching scenes where, like, Spider-Man goes... Or Peter Parker, he's not Spider-Man anymore. He goes to visit, you know, Aunt May because Aunt May's looking for Peter Parker, and he can't tell her, you know, that hey, I'm Peter Parker. I just look like I'm 80, but he just gives like a. Um, Does he say like he's a friend of Ben's or something like that? Yeah, and it's just yeah. a very like touching moment. Like, I don't know, you really feel for it because he can't come out and say that, you know, hey, I'm your nephew, but you know, obviously she's so distraught over losing her nephew and she doesn't know what happened. And then, and at the end of the issue, Spider-Man ends up dying. You know, the the symbiote jumps from more powerful people to more powerful people. It goes to like Thor and the Hulk and whatever. And then finally, it's destroyed at the end of the issue. But as with most what ifs, you know, it's just kind of a a different story that was being told and a different way of presenting the character of Peter Parker. And I really enjoyed it. The second what if that I picked as one of my favorites was what if the X-Men had lost Inferno. And this one, I think, as a kid, I really enjoyed because of, like, all the deaths in it and how cool they were. Like, there's <laughs> there's this really vicious battle, like, in the middle of the book. And, like, I know, like, Hulk, like, chokes out She-Hulk and stuff. And I was like, whoa, that's badass. And actually, this might all happen on the same page spread. I should have went back and looked. But I know Wolverine, like, basically kebabs Spider-Man. He just pops his claws right through through his chest because it's like such enclosed fighting and stuff and then another really cool death is a human torch like to cover their retreat they're escaping through like a magical doorway with dr strange i think and to hold back all the demons and stuff like johnny storm basically goes you know supernova and like just fries everyone in the vicinity but kills himself too so that one there's not a i don't know the story doesn't hold up as well as the other one it's not as poignant or as touching 
but I just think the visceral nature and all the deaths really made me enjoy it as a kid. Yeah. Just like utter chaos everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess I'll go next, because Brian didn't know this. One of mine was actually the Spidey issue, number four. It was a good issue. It was one of the first what-ifs I ever owned. And not really to just backtrack on what you just said. Pretty much the same reasons. I, I just enjoyed it. I did not know ba- uh, Bagley had done the art. Uh, was I don't have the issue anymore. So that's kind of cool. I do remember the art being really crisp and very, you know, very clean looking for the time. So that's that's kind of a neat thing. I do have two other issues, though. One was just going to be a, uh honorable mention. The other one that I really liked, <laughs> it's a silly issue, but it's kind of cool at the same time. It's uh, what if Professor X had become the juggernaut? And it is... <laughs> Just a silly, silly issue because, first of all, as you're well aware of in the X-Men mythos, Kane, Marco, his brother-in-law, like, became the juggernaut when they were in, depending on what, you know, continuity, like, they go with right now. I think it was Vietnam. They're in Korea. Okay. I know sometimes they change it sometimes. Well, I guess the original thing was in Korea, but I'm sure with the, the skewed timeline, you know, it's like, oh... We're in freaking Thailand or yeah. Yeah. shit or generic you know Asianic War Number Four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the whole the whole point was is K. Marco gets his mitts on the uh, Crimson Gem of Satorak and aggressive the powers of Juggernaut becomes one of the X Men's biggest villains. And this alternate reality, obviously, Professor X gets a hold of it instead. And amusingly enough, I guess expectedly enough, I guess it's just part of the gems influence, he becomes a huge dick, too. And even funnier, he looks kind of like a giant baby because he's, like, all muscle-bound, and when he has his helmet off, he's this big, <laughs> fat, bald head on <laughs> Like, Kitty Pride shows up, and she's like, Professor Xavier's a dick! <laughs> yeah, pretty much, it's just, yeah, he's, he's just a jackass, and one of the really funny things is, is they actually thought about this when they were coming up with the concept instead of just like a random because as you well know especially like guys like you Derek and Brian well everybody you all, you all read the comments enough to know this much Juggernaut's only weakness is psychic power he doesn't have any real you know a way to combat it besides his helmet if the helmet's off he's screwed however Professor X is the most powerful psychic in the world so yeah it basically ends up where they have to trap him and get him into a situation where they basically explode him off of, like, Asteroid M, and he's just hurtling through space at the end with his, like, arms outstretched, and this look on his face like, fuck, and it's just, it's hilarious because it's like, it's, it's kind of sad, though, it kind of morbidly amusing because it says at the end, the ending, like, caption, it doesn't have any words, is, because nothing can st- stop the juggernaut, and now nothing ever will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's beautiful. <laughs> How poetic. <laughs> and my honorable mention, and it's just because I don't remember the issue very well, I remember they just kind of go into the whole Pandora's box scenario that Tony Stark was afraid of. What if uh, Iron Man had lost the armor wars? One of the, one, one of the reasons I really liked that one was, back in the day, I've kind of gotten a little bit more cultured, I guess. But it always kind of mystified me. Like, Iron Man has this amazing suit of armor and he fights guys in tights and shit and he doesn't kill them accidentally because he's got this incredibly powerful suit of armor. And he's like punching Whiplash in the head and Whiplash is like, oh, my jaw, that kind of hurts. You know, he's not like, oh, you broke my face. You know? mm-hmm. And I mean, 
Oh, you broke my face! You broke my nose! <laughs> so the armor wars always made sense to me because if you're going to fight people who could actually fight you, they should at least have a level playing field. So I always liked that. And like I said, this one, the whole point of the armor war story was somebody gets a hold of Tony Stark's designs or his armor and they like, you know, like I said, the whole Pandora's box thing. His technology spreads all over the world. People have various elements of his armor and using it to do bad things. And during the course of it, Stark kind of gets a little morally ambiguous, as he tends to do, because he's like, I will stop this. But in the, this one, Tony Stark doesn't manage to recover all of his armor secrets. And, you know, he's kind of left with no one believing him, everyone feeling betrayed, and all this good stuff. I think, I think he actually goes to jail at the end of it. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it's definitely more realistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Brian, me, uh, Secret Brothers this week on the uh, Spider-Man issue, and Professor X becomes Juggernaut. And what if Tony Stark or what if Iron Man had lost the armor wars? Those are those are my picks. Did you guys were you guys at all disappointed, or or did it not matter to you about the whole parasitic angle to the the I guess <laughs> suit? Because I know I know some people they were kind of like, well, wait, it's you know it's a symbiote, it's not a parasite, and you know, or maybe you could ask. Like, you know, maybe the, the what if should be like, what if the alien costume was a parasite instead of a symbiote or something, you know, or well, I mean, that the, kind of well, angle to it. Well, the what, the what if was what if it possessed Spider-Man. So, I mean. Yeah, to me, like, I always thought that was kind of like a funny title because I'm like, uh, yeah, it already possessed them. Like, you know, like. <laughs> I think you know, like, I think as an adult, like, I catch that discrepancy a lot more than I did as a kid. But as a kid, you know, I remember, like, in Sensational Spider-Man, like. Spider-Man would be all tired and crap when he woke up because, you know, the symbiote had been out running around all night with him. So it wasn't that big of a leap as a kid, I don't think. But I don't know. Yeah, definitely now I can say that's stupid. Well, (laughs) and if Brian's anything like me, if Brian's anything like me, we just both probably really dug the cover where Hulk is on one side trying to bash his brains in and Thor's on the other trying to hit him with a hammer and... Oh yeah, no, no, like, I, ha, ha, fuck off. <laughs> I, I bought the issue too. I mean, I, I remember getting into it and everything. I mean, there's even the, you know, like you're talking about, they end up possessing Thor and Hulk, and they kind of, they, you know, dare I say, they, they look kind of venomy, you know, like, you know, and a precursor to that, that wonderful character from the '90s. But I remember Thor you know. really well, but I remember Hulk did have a mouth, didn't he? In like the in the in the alien costume, he had like a yeah. Well, Venom Venom did exist though at that point. Oh, did he? Okay. I, I, I I remember from that story that there is like a panel when like the Watcher does his, but this is what it really happened, Stick. You know, and he's uh, yeah, okay. eventually goes on to Eddie Brock and becomes Venom. Yeah, so so doesn't Thor like call down a lightning strike to get the costume off of him? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah, it like it like fucks him up and like. He retreats for a minute, and then Reed comes in with his trusty sonic blaster that he's carrying throughout the whole comic. And Black Cat's the one that, that takes it out, right? Black Bolt, yeah. yeah. Comes that's, and, like, shatters the entire mountainside or something. Yeah, like, like, Black Bolt, no, I mean, like... I mean, Black, Black Cat. Black Bolt mortally wounds it, where it's, like, all fucked up and stuff, and then Black Cat comes in when it's all just a big puddle. Oh, of yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And she's like, this is for she, she takes Reed's, like, sonic zapper doohickey, right? And yeah, just shoots it, basically. That's a lot more powerful than Black Bolt's voice. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Reed built it. It's concentrated. There you go. <laughs> it says on the side, concentrated. 
Black Bolt. And she she uh, she ends up like I she got that like blaster from the Kingpin if I remember correctly. And yeah, she it's having... like a servitude to him. Yeah, for yeah, the rest of her life. Yeah, yeah. The rest of her days, Black Cat had had butt sex with Wilton Fisk. You know. <laughs> well, as long as she's not uh, Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat. You know? <laughs> there you go. The, yeah. the funny yeah. thing about the Mark Bagley art too, and me not noticing who it was at first, is like I I never noticed like even who Mark Bagley was until he was on Amazing Spider-Man. So, oh, so you've been you've been reading New Warriors yeah, for like years. You didn't, say, you didn't realize he was your favorite artist. I, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't even a name when he did that. What if was he? No, that was even before like. Well, obviously before New Warriors, because I was like 90s. Yeah, I'm sure that's where my love of New Warriors come from, was because I was so appreciative of his, of his art, but even before I knew who he was. It's cool the things you kind of pick up, everyone. Like like Derek said, you know, he was like, Rob Liefeld actually drew a decent issue. <laughs> who the fuck knew? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, to me, I'm like, I, I blame that probably on the inker, but, you know, I think it was Danny Miki that, that inked it, or Mickey, I, I don't know how you say his last name, but, so sometimes I'm like, ah, I bet you the inker, like, really saved this, or, or probably helped, quote-unquote, embellish it, but yeah, it was, you know, to me, I'm like, sometimes when I look at, like, old Rob Liefeld stuff from, like, you know, even Hawk and Dove and stuff like that, it's like you can tell, like, Carl Kiesel really, like, saved his ass. Yeah, you know, and they had, like, guys, like, putting, like, little background stuff in there that wasn't there before, where it's like, dude, where are all these, it's like all these generic warehouse boxes that were, like, drawn by somebody else, you know, it's the only thing they could put, like, behind Ifield's kind of, you know, goofy, ill-proportioned, garish kind of, you know, he-men or whatever, but even even that, it's like, you could tell, like, Carl Kiesel kind of, you know, in those, or and probably even Danny Miki in a way, like, they kind of fix some of the proportions, you know? It's like you could see, like, where it's like, oh, if Liefeld was doing this these days, like, this thigh would be a thunder thigh. And, like, you could almost tell, like, oh, hey, they kind of they kind of tweaked that a little bit and cleaned it up so it didn't look so fucking... I've actually you know. seen some of the on-ads back then for Liefeld books, and most say must be able to draw, must be able to ink ankles. Extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted really, anchor. They're like you have failed. I just feel I just keep having this bad image of like Lifeo getting hired at Marvel, and he's like, "Okay, I burned my bridges at DC for a little while. I'm going to make this what if issue really shine. I will draw this fucking foot if it kills me." <laughs> Hey, Brian, I'm just curious, not that these were, like, the greatest issues ever, but it wasn't a bad run of Justice League, but the the last run before this new reboot had Mark Bagley as the the artist with James Robinson on that, you know, the current, like, sort of, I guess you'd call it, like, the young version team, you know, with, like, like Dick Grayson, Batman, and Donna <laughs> Troy, and like Monel and stuff kind of replacing the big three or whatever. But like, I was thinking about that when you mentioned like, you know, his art. Cause I was like, I had just read a big run of that, you know, cause I was catching up on it. And I was thinking like, Oh, it was nice reading the book with his art. Cause I was like, Oh, this is kind of consistent. Like, you know, yeah. like the issues that were together, you know, to a point, you know, the certain story arcs. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then it was funny. Cause we were just talking about Thundercats last week. And I was talking about Brett Booth. And then he ended up taking over, you know, for the next arc. But then midway through, like, I guess he didn't finish that story arc. So it was kind of, like, disappointing, even though I liked the story. But I think the, the story that he, that Bagley did that I liked the most with, with his art was, they called it, like, the Omega Man. And it's kind of like a crime syndicate version of Darkseid. 
So, like, they have all these, like, new gods, crime syndicate, you know, Earth 3 versions of guys and stuff. But, yeah, it was it was a pretty cool story, I thought. And then the way they did Ultraman in it, I thought was pretty cool. Because it was almost like a fuck you at the, the recent, you know, Batman is the most awesome stuff. You know, because you know how they kind of typically make Owlman out to be like, oh, Owlman's banging, you know, Superwoman. And Owlman's the smartest, just like Batman's the smartest. <laughs> But there's like this kind of cool, cool scene where, you know, Ultraman, you know, walks in on them doing it, but it's like it's no big thing. It's like she's putting back on her, her you know, jumpsuit or whatever, and he's just kind of like sitting there, you know, watching like, you know, he already knows it's happening. And then like later on, he ends up, you know, teaming up with Omega Man or whatever, and there's just this kind of cool, you know, one-liner almost where he's just kind of like, what, you think I care that you guys are doing this? You think you're so fucking smart? He's like, I could fucking annihilate you in an instant if I felt like it. I just don't feel like it. You know, like, and they're all just kind of pwned, you know, where they're like, whoa, ooh. You know, so. Yeah, I, I, anyway, kind of cool. And they kinda, the Begley just brought it up, so. Yeah, they kind of brought it up in the Crisis on Two Earths thing because, like, Ultraman was also that way too. Like he obviously knew Owlman and you know Superwoman were getting it on, and he was just like, I "Don't fucking care," <laughs> you know, <laughs> "Don't <Yeah>. care." <laughs> so I was, I was kind of like that. You know, like he's Ultraman. He's even more of an asshole than Superman in some ways. <laughs> yeah, cool. We, we've almost forgotten two people. I'm going to go with our silent partner tonight because he hasn't said very much. Justin, what are your favorite what if issues? I guess my favorite one would be. Volume 1, number 4, it's what if the invaders had stayed together after World War II? You may remember I talked about, you know, Invaders number 11 being my first superhero comic. So, you know, it, it kind of makes sense that this issue of Invader, or this issue of what if is one of my favorites. You know, it, it pretty much follows the normal continuity. It's, you know, Cap and Bucky get blown up. And then, you know, like after World War II is over, President Truman asks them to stay together. So they end up, you know, just fighting, you know, criminals and terrorists and and then the, the replacement, Bucky and uh, Captain America, like, they they work with them, and then the replacement, Captain America, dies, and then they have to, like, use the Patriot as the third Captain America. And it, it's a fun issue, man. I, I thought it was kind of funny, like, I'm kind of the opposite of Derek. Like, I've read probably more Volume 1 issues of What If than Volume 2. Like, I had a – probably I had the whole run of, of Volume 1, so – I really like just the first issue of What If, you know, What If Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four. You know, it follows continuity up to, you know, like, um, you know, an amazing, amazing Spider-Man number one. He actually tries to join the Fantastic Four, and they're just like, no, go away. And Do you guys remember one, that? Do you guys remember the days where, like, Spider-Man would, like, come in and save the day, and all the super teams would be like, you're a dick, we hate you. Like, he'd come in and, like, the X-Men would be fighting somebody, and he's like, I'm here to help, and they're like, Ooh, you're a spider. Ooh. <laughs> For some reason, he just wasn't popular. Anyway, go ahead. But, like, it pretty much follows the same course until, like, he's, he's getting ready to leave, and Sue just kind of hollers at him. She's like, Spider-Man, come back, and he just, like, happens to come back. So, you know, he ends up fighting with them, you know, throughout, like, the, you know, an alternate course to, like, the early first issues. And then the puppet master, like, takes control of Submariner and has him kidnap Invisible Woman. And then eventually, like, even after Submariner goes back to normal, like, Sue ends up leaving with him. So Spider-Man's like, sorry I ruined your team, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Another one I really like, and it's also from Volume 1, is What If Number 9. It's what if the Avengers had fought evil during the 50s. 
and it's that, you know, it's just a bunch of, like, you know, 50s characters like Robot Man, Gorilla, and, you know, Marvel Boy and 3D Man, and Venus, like, you know, these are all characters I never heard of until I read this comic, but, you know, it Red turns Raven. out they're actually, yeah, it, it, you know, it turns out they're actually, like, old Marvel characters from, like, the 40s or you know, 50s or whatever. I really like that one. When the title, I thought you were going to say they fought, like, the emerging drug market and, like, black <laughs> pants. I thought you were just going to say they beat the crap out of Fondy. <laughs> hey, Rebel. Hey. <laughs> hey, Justin. Yeah. I just thought I'd mention that, that what if number four with the Patriot and the, the invaders and stuff, like they, they always make reference to that. Like that's in continuity, isn't it? Like it seemed like when I was doing my big, you know, Capathon and reading all those Cap comics, they, they often made reference to that as the, you know, the backstory for at least there's, I remember there was like one issue where Cap meets, you know, uh, what's his face? I can't remember his real name, but the Patriot, you know, Cap or whatever. And they, they, I remember, you know, back in the days where, you know, he had the little asterisk and it's like, see, what if, you know, volume one, issue four and five, you know, for the full story on, you know, Girk Madurk or whatever his name was. You know? <laughs> I was actually going to, I was just going to add, isn't that also, I could be wrong now, I'm not as knowledgeable as Derek, but wasn't that what if, like, one of the springboards, or it may have already been around before that, I'm not sure. But wasn't that the spring forward for the Invaders to have their own little series during the 70s? No, the the Invaders first appeared in, like, a uh, Avengers, like, giant size number two or something, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but I'm saying they got it ongoing after a while, though. Yeah, eventually. Like, yeah. As, as far as, like, what Derek's talking about, like, you know, some of those, like, cap replacements, like, I kind of lose track of them because it, it seems like, you know... You, it just kind of depends on like what comic you're reading. Like you know, there's the yeah, the 50s yeah. cap, and then you know he's he's been in some of the recent Brubaker stuff. Yeah, it seems like it seems like they went. It was like Cap and Bucky got blown up, and then this, this is all I pieced together from having read all this stuff. But then then they go into the Spirit of '76, and then he's the guy that gets axed in those What If, yeah, right? Yeah. And then and then John you know, uh, whatever the hell his name is. I can't think of his damn name, but, you know, the Patriot. He comes in and, and replaces him. And then after the, the I think the Bucky gets shot or whatever, like, it's, you know, then it's, you know, what's his face? 50s cap, you know, so. And then and then eventually we get to the 60s, and then it can be, you know, Steve Rogers again or whatever. But another what if I wanted to mention just very briefly, and it's just because I hate it so much. It's from volume two. It's what if number 81. But what if the Age of Apocalypse had not ended? And this is the one where, you know, the Age of Apocalypse continues, and then, like, Galactus and a Silver Surfer show up. And I can remember buying this at, a, like, you know, a grocery store, and I was like, oh, cool, you know, it's it's what if a page of Age of Apocalypse and Galactus and the Silver Surfer is there? Well, this has got to be good. i got to buy it. And it's it's one of those comics I really, I really hate a lot, and... The scene I hate the most is that Age of Apocalypse Wolverine just kind of stabs Silver Surfer in the back of his claws and kills him. Like, I remember reading that one. <laughs> what? No, this is dumb. I hate this comic. I'm just, you know, throwing it away in disgust. Yeah, I think I think that's why I, I, I started reading What If, but then I kind of lost interest in some of it. Because, like, sometimes, like, like kind of like what Brian was saying, like, especially with Spider-Man, who at the time was like, I, I think Spider-Man and Silver Surfer were probably my favorite Marvel characters and even reading like the first issue of what if it's like what if the the high evolutionary had won the evolutionary war and so what's funny is like Wolverine becomes you know the head of the 
the evolutionaries, you know, the high evolutionaries, big, huge, super amoeba or whatever that's like made up of all these superheroes. And I remember like a similar scene where it was just basically like Galactus and Silver Surfer, like no super amoeba of superheroes led by Wolverine, like you must stop. <laughs> and then they're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, bub. And he fucking slashes <laughs> and Silver Surfer, and, the old and then Silver Surfer like, oh, you know. And so you, you know, you have the same kind of reaction where you're like, what? Fuck you, you know. <laughs> We're the best at what we do, and what we do is mitosis? What? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was like, what? Well, I don't care if you are a super amoeba. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to throw this in real quick before I go to Mike, because I know he's probably got some good picks. All the talk about the cap what-ifs, it makes me re- remember one that's not my favorite, but I just loved it because of the humor factor. It was like, what if Cap had stayed the captain, never like – because Cap quit like in the late 80s, early 90s for a couple issues, and he became just the captain. And that's when U.S. Agent took over the mantle, Johnny Walker slash Captain Morgan slash Cuervo Gold, whatever his name was. And it was really funny. <laughs> it was really funny, though, because in this issue, um, they already established in the main Marvel continuity that Johnny Walker had, like, a little bit of anger issue. He, he tended to get kind of kind of pissed off. But in this reality, he just went beyond that, and he would just, like – he, like, killed the entire Watchdog organization. He killed, like, all these people. And I just remember this one panel that just made me laugh out loud even back then when I was, like, a younger, like, early teen early teen years. It was just this picture of him with, like, his chest showing and his, like, mouth hanging wide open in this just huge laugh. And he's got the ever-popular, back then especially, big, like, strand of spit connecting his, like, teeth together. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. That's it a- seems like a, a Bernie Wrightson-type trope in artwork you know like he did it really well but i think like other people maybe that's why it's kind of funny because it it, it, you know they tried to use the same type of thing and it doesn't look as i don't know authentic i guess it just kind of looks funny yeah tony yeah tony is that the one where like it's basically like like it's the you know it's the red skull trying to ruin cap or whatever but then like at the end like it looks like everything's going to turn out to be normal and then red skull is like no 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 you, like, my double agent there on stage, kill Captain America now. And, like, he just shoots Captain America in the back of the head. And then, like, yeah. he gets gun And, like, that guy is like, oh, this was a terrible idea. Why did I do this? And he, like, gets shot and stuff. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we talk a lot about, like, Spider-Man getting pwned a lot and whatever. So, like, Cap kind of does, too. It's like Cap gets to where he's just so super, like, you know, patriotic. And, you know, he just blindly follows whatever orders, you know. He's like, I'm sorry to take you down to Spider-Man, but I've got orders from the president, and that's what I'm going to follow. And he's just, you know, he's just written to be, like, so extreme it's not even funny. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why I like that one issue because Johnny Walker – he attacks these, like, mutant terrorists. <laughs> and you got, like, the guy wearing the Captain America uniform, and he's bludgeoning one of these, like, mutants with his shield, and he's like, take that, you filthy beauty! <laughs> <laughs> well, he, even at the end in the original thing, John Walker got pretty nuts when he was attacking, like, the... I forget who they were, like, the mutant front or whatever yeah, those guys were. Guys, yeah, and this one, he, like, kills them, though, or kills a good number of them. It was, it was pretty amusing. It was just like... And I, I also like the Buckies, the bold urban commandos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. All all I remember from that issue is just, like, you know, the Red Skull getting so mad that he's, like, you know, he has the double agent up there on stage with Cap, and he's like, you, shoot Captain America in the head right now. (laughs) All I can think of is, like, why would that guy think it would be a good idea to do that, like, in the middle, like, in public and with, like, everyone around Captain America? You know? Totally get away with this. Yeah, exactly. No, this is a terrible idea. Ah. You know, Nick Fury just, like, guns him down in the next second. I think his exact quote was, you dirty son of a pow, pow, pow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you pow, pow. Oh, well, uh, enough crazy Johnny Walker. Uh, what's your favorite what ifs, Mike? Well, like like Derek said, it was really hard to, like, narrow this down because I, I really love What If, and, yeah, like, I used to get a lot of them as a kid, and eventually I, co- I tried to collect the whole run, and then I sold all of it, but, you know, then I, I still remember a lot of them, and I tracked down a lot of them to read again. I, I, I'm going to – I had two. Like, I, 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 narrow, I, I limited myself to two and then one, like, little honorable mention – that, you know, Derek, you always say, like, I'm going to pull a mic here and do, like, an honorable mention. But I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> <laughs> but, You've been around. No, but in whatever case, my favorite issue of What If is a volume two, number 64, which is What If Iron Man Sold Out. And it's kind of similar to What If Iron Man Lost the Armor Wars, but it's it's like it happens like earlier kind of. It's written by Simon Furman and drawn by Jeff Senior, who who you know as Transformers fans we should all you know know. I was about to say are there vast any vast predatory birds in this issue? <laughs> no, <laughs> there are vast predatory Iron Man armors maybe, but yeah, no. Basically, the the whole premise is Tony Stark basically sold his arm and like patented it and basically sold like all Stark technology and like it's like five years in the future and like everyone's using Stark technology and like you know Nick Fury has like a robot eye based on Stark technology and you know all all the criminals now have like Stark technology and stuff and Spider-Man's like quit Peter Parker's like quit being Spider-Man because they have like Iron Man security forces like flying around and stuff and he's like <laughs> eh, I don't need to be Spider-Man anymore but like Peter Peter with great power comes Iron Man droid pods <laughs> Yep. Like, see, Peter just looking out the window one day and just be like, fuck this. Uh, So, anyway, like, Tony Stark has gone into exile and, like, James Rhodes, like, runs the company and stuff. And, uh, you know, eventually it escalates because they're using, like, Stark technology and the Sentinels. So, like, the mutants are getting all uppity and whatnot. And, like, eventually... Those uppity mutants. Those (laughs) Those uppity mutants. How dare they, you know? How dare they try to resist being killed and whatnot? (laughs) uh, Why are those Sentinels drinking so much? Anyway... (laughs) Well, anyway, I love this issue. First off, you know, I love Jeff Sr.'s art. Like, there's few artists, I think, that do, like, scale as well as he does, like, the scale of things. Like, you know, Transformers 75, like, the whole Unicron battle. Like, he does, he he really captures, like, the scale of things. And, like, at the end, like, Tony Stark's in a giant Iron Man armor fighting Magneto, and it's just, like, it's awesomely drawn. And, you know, he also draws a really bitchin' Magneto. Like, I always love when, like, artists, like, do the thing where they draw Magneto's helmet, but just show the two eyes in it, and, like, the rest is all black. Like, uh, I think that always looks awesome. 
second thing I really like about this issue is that Spider-Man does not die in it, and not only does he not die in it, he gets to be, like, a total badass in it. He, like, puts together the Avengers in the issue, and he gets to, like, kind of be their leader and whatnot. And, like, when everyone's, like, fighting Magneto, he's the only one who Magneto can't, like, even touch or anything. So it's cool. Hey, hey, quick, quick fact head check for me. Who who does Spider-Man put together as his what-if team of Avengers? Uh, Doctor Strange, Thor, Daredevil, and Elektra, and I think, like, Wasp and Giant Man. Huh, weird. It's like... Well, I was going to judge them against, like, new Avengers, but it seems like they got, like, half for half, you know? Yeah. Like half half new Avengers, half, like, regular Street Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. yeah. But in in whatever case, you know, it's a, like, it's a really awesome fight, like, Magneto's acolytes and stuff versus, like, Spider-Man and his Avengers and stuff. And, you know, Thor, Thor gets to, like, smack Magneto in the back of the head with his hammer. And then, you know, Spider-Man, <laughs> even, like, Spider-Man, Daredevil, and Elektra get to all, like, jump around Magneto and hit him and stuff. And he's like, humans! But, yeah, <laughs> then, like, like Tony Stark slash Iron Man arrives on the, on the scene in this giant, like, Jeff Sr., like, like Liege Maximo-type-looking armor, which is awesome-looking. And, you know, if you read Transformers Generation 2, like, you know what I'm talking about. But, like, you know, and, like, Magneto puts up a force field, and he grabs the force field with the Iron Man hands and crushes it, and it's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's just a really awesome fight. Uh, What's what the I, armor made out of? I think that'd be a disadvantage. I don't... I guess it's not magnetic uh, or, like, a, some kind of ferrous metal <laughs> because, like, Magneto doesn't have any effect on it at all. But the issue ends with, like, Tony Stark flying up into orbit and detonating an, detonating an EMP, which destroys, like, all his technology across the globe, which w- you would think would kill more people than, like, you know, like, stop. But, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Tony Stark pacemaker! Oh! <laughs> oh, honey, this helicopter trip was such a good idea. Ah! <laughs> In whatever case, it, like, ends with, like, Tony Stark, like, deciding to keep, like, stay in orbit in his armor, like, as a satellite and, like, run things from up there. But it's, it actually is really cool, like, the way it goes. And Spider-Man's Avengers all stay together, and they're like, you will protect the Earth now, now that, you know, Stark technology is all useless and whatnot. But, Does he have a refrigerator in the Liege Maximum? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about pooping. I guess so, yeah. Well, it's really big, so I guess he just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> now, now I just get, like, images of, like, Tony Stark running around the armor. Okay, I got to punch Magneto. Let me run over here to this part and push the, like, a punch button. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got to go to the little Zord's room. I'll be right back. <laughs> it is basically, like, a giant, like, Megazord-type Iron Man-type thing, but it looks, yeah... Like it's all it's all Jeff Seniory. It's cool. It's probably like resilient to like Magneto's powers because it's probably made up of duct taped together Planet of the Apes figures. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. It was made up of taped up apes. That's right. It's made out of petrified wood or something. <laughs> wood, a wooden <laughs> gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like how the armor not obey me. <laughs> I like how he still goes off in like metal handcuffs into the fucking <laughs> car after he's told it's a wooden gun. <laughs> oh man. Okay. And my other choice, my other choice for favorite what if is what if Spider-Man sold his marriage to Mephisto? 
Oh, wait. Never mind. Did that happen? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that was my worst whatever. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. That, that actually happened. Okay. Well, yeah. Never mind that one, then. My real choice is what if volume one, number 42, uh, what if the invisible girl had died? It's written by Peter Gills and drawn by Ron Friends. It's basically two Richards dies in childbirth, like giving birth to Franklin. And, of course, this sends Reed Richards on a self-destructive suicidal rampage, which, you know, is always the case, it seems like. And he goes, like, on a suicide mission to, like, hunt down a nihilist who pretty much caused Sue's death. It's a really intense issue. It's very, like, emotional. And the best part is it feels like, like proper, like, I guess gravity is given to, like, Sue's death. Like, they actually, like, explore, like, the depths of, like, grief everyone is feeling, and it's really, like, kind of depressing, but it's also, like, like it's, it's that kind of well-written depressing stuff, you know? Like, you're like, wow, that's really kind of profound, you know? Like, cool parts, like, Namor joins the Fantastic Four, because he, like, sees that Reed is, like, going off the rails, and he's just, like, he kind of bonds with Reed a little, and he's just like, you know, I loved Sue, too, but, you know, we can't, you know, we can't just keep going. Going down, and Reed Richards is like, whatever. <laughs> and, <laughs> Shut up, wing feet. <laughs> That's exactly I'm, it. I'm busy growing stubble. I know that. Exactly, yeah. But it, it it always struck me as a really good issue because it feels like you know it's one of those what ifs that where like death is more like final and deep and lasting than like in the actual universe. Like it, it seems like things are handled much more maturely here, and it, it's like and it's it's just a what if, but it it seems like death is more permanent, I guess. And I mean I, that goes for every what if, but this one like it really seems like. You know, it's not like Thor getting killed in a little panel by a sentinel or whatever, you know? Yeah. Just like, not... he, doesn't, he doesn't go crazy going, oh, I can bring her back. I can bring her back. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just like him him chasing down a nihilist and keep trying to kill a nihilist is like really, really intense and like almost like scary. Like a nihilist is like begging for his life and stuff. And Richards is just like, no, 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 there won't be any of that. <laughs> And I just, I wanted to end, like, on a sort of honorable mention. I know we, uh, like, I said it the other week, and, you know, Derek said it earlier, that, like, all the modern what-ifs kind of suck. I actually just, it's kind of a messy issue. It's kind of really sloppy. But I, I had a lot of laughs at the recent, well, recent, I think it was a few months ago, or, like, I, I don't know how long ago it was. It's What If Venom Possessed Deadpool? And it was one of the recent <laughs> ones. It's it's a pretty sloppy issue, but it actually it's it actually had a lot of moments that made me laugh out loud. And it's written by a Rick uh, Remender who writes Uncanny X Force in the current Venom series, so I really like his writing. And just two moments that really make me laugh is when when the sim, the symbiote jumps from Spider Man to Deadpool at the beginning, and when Spider when Peter Parker's in mid leap when it happens, so he's falling to his death. And while Peter Parker's falling to his death, he yells, Save me, Lord Mephisto! (laughs) (laughs) And and the other other funny part in that issue is, like, Venom Venom Pool, or, like, he becomes best pals with, like, the Beyonder, and, like, they go partying for, like, years and years and years (laughs) together. And, like, it, it finally reaches a point where they've, like, hit rock bottom, and they're, like, living in an alley together with drunk Tony Stark. And, like, Yonder has, like, a moment of clarity, and, like, he's like, I'm get, you know, I'm a 
divine being. I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving, right? And like Venompool is like, dude, dude, we made we we swore an oath to each other to keep it real, right? And like the <laughs> the, the Beyonder goes, I tire of realness. <laughs> And I don't know, but the, the rest of the issue isn't that funny, but they're, just those moments really made me laugh a lot. So that's kind of my honorable mention, I guess. Oh, that's nice. That's is cool. is Beyonder still sporting his, like, white tracksuit with the open jacket? Yep, and the jerry curls, yep. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, that's like, like, the whole beginning of the issue is, like, Deadpool's uh, given a contract to ki- by Galactus to kill the Beyonder. And, like, as soon as he sees the Beyonder, he's like, those perfect jerry curls, I must obey. And he's like, that's how he becomes, like, best buddies with the Beyonder. Nice. That actually sounds like something worth reading. That sounds pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it it has its moments. (laughs) I just like it. Save me, Lord Mephisto. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys uh, should definitely check some of these issues out. Like we've said, some of the later what-ifs are kind of hit and miss. But, I mean, for just good old-fashioned, not to use the damn title, but for good old-fashioned what-ifs in the Marvel Universe, it's a good series, you know? See your characters in a different light. You know, see Tony Stark in giant armor. See old Peter Parker. See Deadpool and Venom. Merge into one scary individual who's really funny. So yeah, just check those out. It's, just, uh, it's a good little series. Just uh, pick the pick pick your issues wisely is the best way to put it. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and move on now. This is actually, believe it or not, a topic I've been very much looking forward to this week. Disney had a pretty big presence in the afternoon cartoon market in the '90s. They had comedy shows. They had very. They had a couple of serious shows. And we've already talked about gargoyles on this show before, which is actually not going to be my pick this week. But we're going to talk about our favorite Disney afternoon shows, and since I have been kind of excited and I'm kind of chomping at the bit, I'm going to go ahead and go first this time, which I rarely do. But I want to talk about Darkwing Duck. <laughs> this Tony, was Darkwing one of, Tony, Duck. Tony, yeah. Can we can we get dangerous? Let's get dangerous. <laughs> I am the terror that flaps in the night. Darkwing Duck, as far as I know, I could be wrong, was a completely original character when he came out. A lot of the Disney shows up to this point had kind of taken characters that had already been used in other media. You had the Donald Duck and Scrooge McDuck and Huey Dewey and Louie for DuckTales. You had Chip and Dale for the Rescue Rangers, even though it did have a couple of new characters. And then you had the guys from The Jungle Book and Tailspin. However, Darkwing Duck was a brand new character. The only character that was actually previously used was Launchpad McQuack, who was pretty much Darkwing's buddy, his sidekick, his... Robin, if you will, just not quite as much of a target. Darkwing Duck was just really well done, and it wasn't really done as a Batman ripoff. He actually kind of reminded me more of like heroes from like the fifties and stuff because he wore like a double-breasted coat. He had a long cape and he had a big fedora with just like a domino mask. You know, he looked very old school, and he had stuff like a gas gun. He had a motorcycle. And they had a lot of stories where he did more mysteries and stuff, and his villains were very silver agey. Like he had like a plant villain named Bushroot. He had, you know, some some more as the series went on, he got a little bit more superhero y. They even had what I thought was probably gonna be a spin off at some point, but it never came to fruition. This is just me you know, hypothesizing. But they had like a little group called Justice Ducks, which was Gizmo Duck from DuckTales. Darkwing, Stegmutt, who was a dinosaur duck, uh, Morgana, who was Darkwing's supernatural 
like magic using girlfriend and it was just it was just really well done and the the humor came mainly from the uh, the character acting of the guy who did Darkwing. I don't know his name. I should have looked it up. But he was really funny. He really sold the character really well. The way that he delivered the lines, you know, like Justin was saying, let's get dangerous. He had his own catchphrases. He would always come into, like, the room, like, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the, you know, green rind on your perfect potato chip. I am Darkwing Duck. And, you know, it was just really funny. One of the other things I also liked about the show was Darkwing was kind of incompetent in some ways. He had a little bit of the Inspector Gadget quality where he was supposed to be the hero, obviously. But, of course, he had, like, a younger daughter. He was a single dad. And she would help him out and, you know, be there for him and stuff. But also, Darkwing got to shine a lot. It wasn't just, you know, oh, Darkwing, you're fucking ridiculous. You know, you can't do anything. Ha, ha, ha. There's a lot of episodes where he actually got to be the hero. That was one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the show is because it had a good balance, you know. And I guess what I was talking about earlier with, like, you know, how it kind of transferred from the 50s or 40s kind of pulp heroes to, like, the modern superheroes. I like that, too. It it didn't just stay with one type of superhero. It kind of branched out in all, like, the various genres. You had really sci-fi episodes sometimes. You had kind of supernatural episodes sometimes. And... It just did a really good job of parodying superheroes, but in a way that you could tell the people who were writing it really did like, you know, guys in capes. You know, they liked superheroes. They wanted to kind of pay homage to them. So. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Just just so you know, it's uh, it's Jim Cummings who did the voice of Darkwing Duck. And just as a tie-in for the later topic, <laughs> you might know his voice as Thanos on the Superhero Squad show or, like, other Disney characters. Like, he, he plays Pete, you know, Big Bad Pete or whatever in the, oh, okay, cool. you know, a lot of the Disney stuff, the Kingdom Hearts games and things like that. So, yeah, so just, you know, just so people know, you know, the hitcha or whatever. That, that's that's <laughs> Jim Cummings, you know, so. Cool, cool. And, yeah, he sounds totally different than Pete when he does Darkwing, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, Tony? Uh-huh. Have you have you read anything of the new Darkwing Duck comics? I have not. I know they have. I knew they had Gargoyles comics out. I didn't know they had Darkwing out. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think it's from Boom Comics. Like I, I haven't read any of them either. But you no, know, like a certain other personality. Like people tell me they're really good and they're on my list. Actually, you know what? It's funny <laughs> though. I, I I hear the same thing though. From you know, people seem to enjoy those comics. You know, I, I hear a lot of internet talk about them that they're good. But I, I was kind of wondering, is it even like does did Boom, like, like, can they even make Darkwing Duck comics anymore now with the whole Marvel thing, or how does that work? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, Marvel is owned by Disney, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. I, oh, I was Boom Duck. I was wondering if that meant, like, th- does that mean oh. that Darkwing Duck series that everybody likes, does that mean that that can no longer be printed? Does that mean that that just gets continued by Marvel? Like, I, I, I was just wondering... Oh, I thought Boom was with Marvel. I, I I am not up to my comic company. See, that's what I don't I don't even I don't think it is, but uh, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that's my pick. You can look them up on YouTube. There's plenty of episodes there. There's probably some DVD sets out there. This is totally a nostalgic pick. I don't have any of the box sets myself, but they do exist. But yeah, there's, uh, there's box sets of uh, Darkwing Duck. Cool. It's actually I think it's pretty cheap now. It's like Ducktales. Like I, I think the. The standard retail is is probably like only fourteen ninety nine. I think I don't think they're that expensive these days. Cool, but yeah, I just remember like in the afternoons in the nineties. That was always I didn't care how old I was. I think I was like fifteen at this time. You know, I was 
definitely supposed to be more interested in, like, you know, boobies and girls and, you know, going out and getting, you know, wasted with my friends and being in high school and trying to, like... At 15? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was in high school um, for a little while. But no, yeah, but, like, at the same time, even though I was, you know, all about trying to, like, not walk a dork in front of my friends, I'd still be totally amped to get home at 4.30 or... It was 4.30 or 5 and just tune into Darkwing Duck and see my favorite caped crusader who had a bill save the town of St. Canard from the machinations of Negaduck or who have you. So that's I always thought, I always thought like, Gizmo Duck and, and Darkwing Duck teaming up, like, I, I know it might be counter to what some people might expect, but I always kind of looked at it like a Superman-Batman type team up. I mean, I know Gizmo Duck's an armored guy, and, you know, people might go, dude, Iron Man, or whatever, but... Like, you know, I, I always kind of viewed Gizmo Duck as the kind of, you know, Superman character of the DuckTales. You know, he came from DuckTales. He's kind of good and clean and pure and that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, you've got, you know, somebody who's really bright and standout-ish. And then, you you know, Darkwing Duck, obviously, it's all kind of purple and dark. And, you know, he's kind of shadow-looking, Green Hornet-looking, kind of like you were saying, the more sort of serial pulp-type guy, you know. So. Yeah, and, and Justin, and I'm sure you've seen them, like, Darkwing Duck doesn't really like Gizmo Duck a whole lot at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of have that that uh, post crisis, you know, Superman Batman thing going on. Yeah. Well, one more thing that bears pointing out, just because it's a similar kind of thread that was pointed out in another cartoon, but Darkwing's daughter, what, what's her name, Abigail or something? Goslin. Goslin, yeah, Goslin. She's actually adopted, like a certain tiger in another cartoon is adopted. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew I knew Darkwing was a single dad. I forgot that she was adopted, though. Yeah, Tony the Tiger is adopted. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Hold the phone. Darkwing Duck is a single dad. Yeah, there's there's no woman in his life apparently, as far as like him married. He's got a girlfriend later on, but at his house is him and Launchpad. So there might be know, like a, you know, there might some, be a Maryland kind of relationship going on some, there. Some, somebody somebody out there put the idea in my head that Speedy was the only single father out there. So <laughs> maybe maybe that's not the case. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> and, and also, I, I just remember this just before I throw it to somebody else. I also loved how they kind of paid a little bit of homage to Adam West's nineteen sixties Batman series because Darkwing Duck would turn into well. I should say, oh, God, I forgot the daggum guy's name. What was Darkwing's alter ego? Drake Mallard. Drake Mallard. There you go. Good job. Drake Mallard would turn into Darkwing Duck by sitting in his lounge chair, and it would spin really fast, and he would turn into Darkwing. And I was like, that's that's very Bat-Polish. It's like, it's uh, like Wonder Woman, but sitting down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for some reason, Launchpad was sitting in a chair, too, but he didn't have a costume. Because <laughs> it would go to, like, the... <laughs> he just thought it was a fun ride. <laughs> They would just go down to the Darkwing Cave and get in the Thunderquack and zoom out somewhere. You don't you don't have to be dizzy to do this job, but it helps. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, that's my pick for favorite Disney afternoon. Let's go over to let's go to Mike. You you you've been kind of quiet while me and Justin and Derek have been going waxing poetic about Darkwing. What was your favorite Disney afternoon show? Well, I guess I'll be kind of unoriginal and just pick something I talked a lot about a couple weeks ago and pick Gargoyles, because probably one of my favorite cartoons of all time, you know, regardless of being, like, Disney and whatnot. And I know I talked about it. I think we talked about it in, like, shows that were canceled before their time or yeah, something. Least, but yeah. yeah. 
but basically I'll echo whatever I said. It's such a great show, like so much like continuity stuff is handled with maturity for a cartoon, you know, a lot of Shakespearean stuff. It's like almost educational even, you know, Greg Wiseman loves Shakespearean myths and all that. And, you know, you've got all these characters running around like Macbeth, like the weird sisters and Puck and Oberon and all that, and it's really cool. It's such a rich universe, and I really wish it could have, like, you know, expanded the way, like, Greg Wiseman wanted it to expand. Like, it's funny, like, Disney owns Marvel now, but at one point they wanted, like, Gargoyles to be their, like, Marvel universe. Now, it's funny, like, Disney owns Marvel now, but, like, at one point they wanted Gargoyles, the, like, Gargoyles universe to be their, like, Marvel or DC universe. Like, Greg Wiseman outlaid, like, all these plans for spinoffs for that show where they had, like, characters like Arthur Pendragon, like, King Arthur guest starred on that show, and they were going to do a spinoff of his adventures. Like, a spinoff of Brooklyn was going to get the, the Phoenix Gate, which, which sends people through time and stuff, and they were going to do a spinoff called Time Dancer where Brooklyn would have gone off on all these time travel adventures. And another spinoff was going to be Bad Guys, which was like a sort of like Secret Six thing of where like these like villains from the Gargoyles universe were going to like form this little unit and stuff. And none of these, of course, happened because I guess like I guess management changed in Disney or something. Something happened and like, you know, they just decided to can Gargoyles or something. But it, it would have okay, been I'm, awesome. I- I'm a little upset. Sure. So there was no plans for uh, the pack cartoon? <laughs> nope. Well, apparently, like, one of the pack was going to be in the Bad Guys spinoff. The Bad Guys, they, they did get a comic out of that, at least. But, like, it, it was it got, the you know, the slave labor graphics, I think the company was. They made that Gargoyles comic that was supposed yeah. to, like, take take off from the TV show. But, again, Disney Disney mucking around. Apparently, like, that, that series was so, like, delayed from month to month only because, like, it would be put on some Disney executive's desk and sit there for, like, weeks and weeks before they'd approve it. So, and eventually, slave labor graphics decided to not renew the license because Disney, like, upped the fees or something. So, you know, it, it seems like, yeah. Yeah, at, at some point, it seems like Disney, like, wanted to kill Gargoyles multiple times, so. <laughs> I just had this bad vision of a Disney exec sitting in his office and is like, oh, the new episode, the new issue of Gargoyles comes in. I should read this. Oh, wait, we have to do Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2? Fuck that. <laughs> Yeah. So it's does, like, Disney, does Disney still own the Gargoyles? I guess so, yeah. That's another thing. Like, th- apparently they've canceled. Like, I looked it up, actually, because I was curious. And Greg Wiseman actually did say it's official that they that volume uh, season two, volume two, is canceled indefinitely, pretty much. Because so, the, the first half of season two didn't sell well enough. So I I don't know you know maybe some like five or when there's new management or something they'll release the whole series again but it, it really kind of sucks. I wish there was more easy access to records of stuff like that. Like I know there's really not because it's like I I always wonder the same thing about stuff like the the Superboy live action TV series. Like apparently its first season set you know the sales didn't meet expectations or you know or or didn't sell enough or you know I don't, I don't know whatever it is you know whatever phrasing they use you know but so they're not you know they weren't making any you know any subsequent season sets but i always kind of wonder i'm like oh i wonder what you know what's below sale you know what's below expectations yeah like, 
20,000 copies, 200,000 copies, like, what what do they need to, you know, I was just curious what they needed to sell, like, what would, what would have they been happy with, you know? Because, like, then you also hear other random things, like, where, you know, Disney released the X-Men season sets, and that apparently was, like, astronomical. Like, they're like, oh, this exceeded expectations. Yeah. Like, we, we were so shocked, and you're like, what? It's the fucking X-Men, yeah. like, duh. But, you know, I don't know, like, it's just one of those things where you're kind of like, oh, I wonder what the sales on that was compared to, say, you know, the sales on Gargoyles, you know, season two, part one. Like, what what was the discrepancy? Like, how many more units did, did say, a successful DVD, you know, yeah. set sell, you know? It's still, it sucks, though. I, I, I Like I said, it's funny, though, that they, like, at one point they really wanted this to be their, like, Marvel Universe. And then it, now they've kind of pretty much decided, hey, we have enough money to buy the Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do that. Spider-Man's awesome. Oh, shit, he's not. Fuck. No, I think, and again, I'm hypothesizing here. I, I do not know the inner workings of Disney, but I always kind of got the idea that since it came out in the relatively a similar time frame, they wanted it to kind of ape the success of Batman the Animated Series because it had a similar style. It was dark. It had like a very rich mythos, kind of like you know Batman the Animated Series had. But they overlooked the fact that you're building a brand new show. Batman already had a built-in audience. It had, like, the 1989 movie. I don't even know if Batman Returns had come out yet already. But you had... Yeah, yeah it was... A, it was Because it, they had the, you know, Penguin and Catwoman were, were redesigned to fit Batman Returns, pretty much. So. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, yeah, but you had Batman, who's been around for, like, 50 years. So he's got a built-in audience. And Gargoyles, doesn't matter how good it is, it's got to build an audience to get anywhere first. And it just seems like Disney was like, oh, well, we're doing a dark show, and we're Disney, so automatically people are going to love this. It's going to get the highest ratings ever. Blah, blah, blah. And I know it did really well at the beginning. It's just they, they started jumping it around in the time slots, and they also really got rerun happy with it at one point. And it was just like, okay, we've seen the, issue, we've seen the episode where Thanatos puts the damn castle on top of his building. Fucking let's get some new shit. And they just seemed to lose faith in a show that was really good, so it, it was really a shitty well, situation. Like, what it, when they went to eight when they put Gargoyles on ABC and it became the Goliath Chronicles? I mean, Greg Wiseman left after the first episode; like he left the whole production team. So what does that tell you? You know, he was probably getting you know yeah, yeah like I said, I don't he's probably getting you know executives handing down memos like you know like Goliath needs to be you know 90% more extreme or something you know? <laughs> yeah give, give him a kid gargoyle sidekick or some shit yeah please add awesome two year old who knows everything <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gargoyle yep. style you know, do you do you think there's a lot of like I know you guys are, are more fans of this series the the more you guys talk about it eventually I should probably sit down and watch it, but I think I fell into the trap when it was on the air of just kind of thinking in a negative way what, what Tony had mentioned, just that it was trying to ape Batman the Animated Series, and I didn't really, you know, give it much of a chance, I don't think. But the more you guys talk about it, the more I, I am curious to just, you know, when I have some time to sit down and watch it for myself, again, with fresh eyes or whatever. But do you, do you guys think that there's a potential, like, for crossover of fan bases like since they had so many you know next generation people on the show like do you think people who like star trek the next generation realize that and watch gargoyles or is it just like you know I, your your 
I'm not exactly sure, but you are right about like the, not just next generation. There were like that. There was some kind of like Star Wars thing going on with that show because like even people like Avery Brooks and like what's her face Kate Mulgrew and like what's her face Michelle Nichols even did guest voices oh, on that show. Okay. So yeah. But, yeah, so then, and then you see you had a lot more that I didn't know about. I knew about, like, Frakes and Deanna Troy and stuff like that, but I didn't know yeah, about, Spiner like... Yeah, was in it, too. You know, yeah, Michael Dorn, yeah. Uh, Cole Meany was someone in it. I forgot who. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it seems like they, they kind of did them all, almost. You'd, you'd think if... You know, I but I guess, I guess that speaks of me, because I guess I'm a pretty, you know, hardcore Star Trek fan, but I really haven't sat down and watched Gargoyles, so I guess it doesn't apply to me, but... I, I'd wonder if it applies well, I, to I, I will tell you this much, Derek. The the way they do the they're they're almost in a way kind of like cameos, I guess you would say, because they, mm-hmm. they obviously don't act like the characters they portray on Next Generation. But every time TNG or Voyager or you know Avery Brooks or whoever from any of the shows does a voice, you pick it out so easily. I mean, you're just like you know Thanatos sounds kind of like Riker if he was more of a dickhead. You know, Demona. Right yeah. <laughs> like, would you like a Thanatos figure? Can't have one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think Frakes passes out Thanatos figures. He only. He only passes out Riker. By the figures. By the way, it's 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 Xanatos with an X. Oh, okay. oh Xanatos. Excuse me. Sir. Yeah. yeah. See, I I have an excuse. I never yeah, watched it. Yeah. No, it's okay. been a while since I've seen it. Actually, it's been a while since I've seen it. But Demona was Marina Sirtis, and she's pretty much like. Troy and over sex drive with like a little bit of a anger issue. Evil I mean, Troy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can definitely pick out the the voices really easy. Spiner is fucking easy as hell as Puck. He's just he does pretty much the data on fucking helium voice. He's like yeah, you know, and then hello and there, I'm Puck. <laughs> and you know. Michael Dorn only has the one voice as as uh, what, who is he? Coldstone. It was I am Coldstone. Coldstone. <laughs> I am not a cold stone. <laughs> I mean, not not even, I was going to say, not even just, like, the Star Trek actors, but, like, every, like, almost every fucking prolific, like, cult or, like, voice actor has done, has been on Gargoyles. Like, Roddy McDowell, David Warner, who else? Like, Clancy Brown, Tim Curry, they've all done a voice on Gargoyles. Like, that... Well, that, but they were all doing Batman voices at that's the time, true. too. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, I mean, you got, like, fucking uh, Keith David doing fucking Goliath. I mean, he's, yeah. like, a big fanboy love voice actor already, so, I mean... Yeah. You know, you already got that. You you got fucking Ed Asner doing Hudson. Yeah. Hudson, Hudson. Yeah, Hudson. Yeah, he was the old oh, guard. Okay. Yeah. You know what else I thought was funny? Like I watched them when I watched uh, Requiem for a Dream and has like Keith David in it. Yeah. And, okay, so you guys have seen it? Yeah, okay. well, I have. Well, you know that one that one scene that he's in, that one scene yeah. with Jennifer Connelly, like yeah. whenever he was talking, like I I I couldn't picture him, the actor, I just kept picturing Goliath in that scene. <laughs> 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 that's that's kind of funny cuz for me like like I see Keith David as not not as that specific character, but like I I kind of remember Keith David from his movie work, like Requiem for a Dream. So like even when I hear stuff like Spawn, you know, to me it always he he always brings more of a gritty edge or realism to something than than the opposite direction, I guess. I always remember yeah. his horrible horrible role in fucking Riddick Chronicles, and it just makes me sad. <laughs> Yeah, and then he was at, he was in the cape too. He was the magician yeah. guy from the yeah. cape. That's here, lollipop. 
I always find one where he's like, you know, you must go on. I'm dying. You gotta save yourself. He's like, I can't leave. He's like, no, nah, I'm okay. Let's get out of here. <laughs> oh yeah, when he like only he dies, quote unquote, in the first episode, and he's like, he's like, I thought this would hurt more, but all I really am is thirsty. And then he just closes his eyes, and then like he opens them two seconds later, and he's like, oh damn, I thought that was it. <laughs> he was—he was probably the best reason to watch that show. He was pretty funny. He was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have expounded muchly on gargoyles. It's a great—it's a great, great series. If, if you, I mean, and that's the thing. Even though I—I I was saying it ate Batman away. Don't get me wrong. The style was similar. It's very dark, very gritty. But it definitely has its own storyline. It's not, you know. Just it, actually, it had a like serialized storyline too. Like Batman was kind of one-offs every single episode. Like Gargoyles had an overarching plot. Yeah, so it's kind of like taking taking a page from X Men in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. I remember it was always interesting because people at the time were always downplaying or or you know crying out about the serialized nature of the X-Men show. Like, I remember, this is, like, from a million years ago, but it was when I was, like, 15 or 14 or something, but I was at a WonderCon in Oakland, and I remember going to the Valiant panel, you know, because at the time I was like, oh, X-Men Wars the shit, and, you know, yeah, and all this stuff. <laughs> and so Eric. I went back and listened to, you know, listen to Jim Shooter, you know, talk about shit. But I always thought it was funny because he was like, we're, like, this Batman the Animated Series, we make good stuff, and we tell good one-shot stories, and, and we do good stuff. And and he's like, we're not like Marvel and DC that do this serialized X-Men shit where you can't follow it, and you don't know what's going on from week to week. And I always remember, like, that always stood out to me that he kind of used that as an example. So maybe that's another tool or another box of ammunition that maybe Disney execs would you know, try to use against it. Because I know, I know people in general, you know, whether it's animated or not, I mean, it must be really tough if it's an animated show, but, like, you know, shows like Buffy and Angel or a- a- any show that, that starts becoming serialized, it seems like executives are like, you know, no, we just want people to be randomly flipping the channel and decide to watch this. Yeah. You know, like, they, they don't want it yeah. to be like, you know, where you tune into Angel Season 4 and you're like, what the fuck's going on? You know, like, <laughs> Like, it's like, or, you know, Deep <laughs> Why is Space Buffy Nine, dead? Yeah, yeah. You know, Deep Space Nine Season 6 or whatever, and you're like, I have no clue what all these, the nuances are here. And so, you know, executives probably hate that, that you had to have seen all this stuff. But, you know, with now, with DVD sales, maybe, you know, some of those serialized things, it's a good thing. But, you well, know. I mean, like Mike said, you know, I think it was actually a strength, because, like, you were talking about with Batman, it was a lot of one-offs. You would have Killer Croc or Joker come back, and they wouldn't seem to remember shit except that they're fighting Batman. They're like, oh, I hate Batman because you, you fucking put me in jail. But in Gargoyles, you have guys like Thalog or Macbeth come back, and they would actually reference earlier episodes that they had shown and, you know, be right. like, you know. <laughs> Thalog. He's Goliath's, he's Goliath's clone, get it? Thalog? Goliath? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Goliath backwards. Oh, my God. Oh. I love that. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying about the the Batman stuff because it's like you you know Joker would like die in an episode or he'd go to Arkham or he'd go to jail and then you know the next episode it's like is he still in jail? No, he's in fucking downtown with Harley like, like you know he's hanging out. We're going to blow up Times Square. Uh, didn't I get eaten by sharks? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, just, I mean, it, the, the serialization actually did work for it because you're talking about Greg Weissman, you know, he actually obviously made sure the continuity was pretty damn tight. It was really yeah. well done as far as when a character showed up and they gave a little bit of backstory, they mentioned something from an earlier episode, you're like, oh, yeah, that actually fits together, and I'm not actually asking questions. Good job, you know? Yeah, I was actually kind of impressed. I haven't read the Young Justice comic book that ties into the, you know, currently airing, you know, animated series, but you know how they have the little sort of valiant time codes where it's like, you know, you know, Mount Justice, you know, 11.09 a.m., you know, Mish Martian's training session or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that's that's going on, but apparently... The, the 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 writers of the comics have worked it out with the you know the the staff writers on the show so that you know oh if Mish Martian was doing this on the show from 11:09 a.m. to like you know you know 1:13 p.m. you know if they have a comic book that takes place from 2 p.m. to like 5 p.m. you know with Miss Martian and Superboy or whatever going on a date or something you know it's like they actually you know like map that out so it doesn't you know, supposedly, you know, interfere with the existing, you know, animated storyline. And I was like, wow, that's that's a lot of care and attention placed to that's pretty cool, on actually. both ends, you know. So you, I thought that was kind of You cool. had me at Miss Martian, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Megan. That's the trick. Actually, we've only done me and Mike's fucking favorite Disney show, so I guess we should get to other people. Just realize that. It, it, it's it's gargoyles. You could talk about it all night. It's that good of a show. I want to go over to Justin. What's what's your favorite Disney show, sir? Well, this is a really hard question for me because I grew up watching, you know, all, all these cartoons, but I'll, I'll just go with my own, the one that I think was the most influential on me, and that's DuckTales. Like, I, I really loved DuckTales as a little kid growing up, and I, I I think I can credit Dark or bleh, bleh. Let me start again. <laughs> I can credit Dark Side. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, the dark okay, side, to... dark side, sent me on the the path of my life. Hey, it's like, don't don't you know, anti life is Ducktales. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike dark... you have to do this for me. Sing the first like stanza of Ducktales in Dark Side's voice. <laughs> I might like, I might like fail before I reach the first like line, but <laughs> Ducktales, woo. <laughs> we need not, not ponytails. <laughs> or dolphin tails. Or dolphin tails. Or duck tails. <laughs> okay, I think that's all I can do. That's as good. <laughs> Go get a drink, Mike. Yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> like. Dark side's like <coughs> danger. What's <laughs> behind you? I can't even do dark side. What's behind you? Stranger, how to find you? That's a much darker show than I ever knew. <laughs> 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 oh, <man>. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had you, Justin. I was. I, it was okay. <laughs> oh. okay. Let me let me try again. 
Like, I, I think I can credit uh, DuckTales with, like, getting me really interested in, like, history and mythology, you know, because, you know, a lot of the MacGuffins in DuckTales would be, like, you know, they're looking for a lost pyramid full of gold or, you know, a sunken Spanish galleon or, you know, the Golden Fleece. And then, you know, I'd watch something like Jason and the Argonauts and be like, oh, I saw this on DuckTales. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I'd get, you know, from there I'd get interested in into, like, Greek mythology or something. So, like, even as a little kid, like, I can see how, or you know, like as an adult now, I can, you know, trace a lot of that stuff back to dark or crap. Why do I keep saying dark? I can trace a lot of that back to Ducktales, like just you know all the things they were chasing after, and then like, you know, even even some of the stuff in the later seasons, like you know they they eventually brought in Gizmo Duck and his you know like you know kind of Iron Man esque you know goofy unicycle armor thing, and then you know even you know, a lot of people don't like the last season where they brought in like the caveman Bubba Duck. You know, but, I really uh, hated Bubba Duck. I hated that really? motherfucker so like, bad. I, I always Bubba. Bubba, like I always liked Bubba Duck. Like to me, he was kind of like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, just has a duck or something. But yeah. to me, he made Webigail like tolerable. That's just how bad I hated him. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I was saying, dude, I don't know. I I think I'd rather have the caveman than Webigail, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> Well, one of the things that you got to give DuckTales, though, Justin, and I know you will definitely agree with this since it's your favorite, it started Disney Afternoon. It was the first cartoon they had released in a long time for, like, yeah. mass consumption, you know? So that you can cool. also kind of, like, look at, you know, that DuckTales movie as being kind of like the precursor of some of those, you know, like, you know, terrible Disney sequels because before that, like, all the Disney movies were just, you know, Disney movies. Like, there were no side projects. And then after they yeah. did the DuckTales movie, you had, like, you know, Peter Pan 2, you know, Lion King sequel number four, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Aladdin number nine, you know, Jafar. Aladdin 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I always liked was, like, when I got into DuckTales, like, my, I can remember my uncle giving me a whole bunch of, like, DuckTales comics, like, reprints and stuff. So I would sit down and read through those, and then, like, like, I remember reading the comic where it was, like, and they go underground and they meet those, like, I can't remember what they were called. What they, I call them like the really pully guys where they like bounce around on those little balls or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, crap. Keep talking. Let me think about it. I'll tell you who they are. Yeah. You know, like they were all like red and green and bounce around like, you know, Scrooge was after some kind of like piece of gold or something like they had. But I can remember reading that, you know, comic issue first. And then, you know, like months later seeing that as an episode, I'm like, hey, like, I, I remember reading this as a comic book. And I think that's one of the first times I became aware of like, you know, Comic books being turned into, you know, comic books being turned into animation, or you know, like vice versa, like things being adapted and stuff. Actually, I'm kind of interesting you bring that up because, uh, as you guys know, but the other listeners may not know, I am working on a side project right now, and one of the cartoons I'm wanting to do for the side project is Ducktales. And one of the things I was actually going to definitely reference and go into a little bit more detail was a lot of the Ducktales episodes were based off of Carl Barks, you know, Scrooge McDuck's comics. It wasn't always just new stuff. There was a lot of comic love there. And I remember, like, I had a Carl Box comic that they actually adapted as well. It was one where the Beagle Boys get, like, the construction robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I read that comic, and then, lo and behold, I, I got that comic in, like, 1985 or something. It was a reprint, too. And then, like, you know, like I said, five or six years later... I'm watching it animated, and to me, that was very cool. You know, it was before, it was like, DuckTales came out roughly the same time as Batman. I didn't have a lot of Batman comics, so 
I didn't see the juxtaposition of like the Batman episodes with the comics that inspired them. I think the first one that really hit home was like stuff like the Joker fish and Two Face and stuff like that. Even though Two Face's origin is different in the comics, but and I really appreciated that as I got older. I was like, oh my god, they actually did delve into the history of the old comics and stuff, and you know, presented it in an animated form. That's really cool. It's kind of I don't know. It just makes you appreciate the fact that they actually gave a shit about the history of their own, you know, stories. You know, they're actually like, hey, we could totally make this animated. It'd be totally awesome. So yeah, I was always I was always <laughs> surprised with Disney, but Disney, I mean, seems to have a lot of you know continuity sticklers as far as I can tell because I, I remember playing Kingdom Hearts a lot and you know just all the different you know universes and team ups and different things that happen. I mean, it seems to be. You know, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for everything because I'm not, you know, I'm hardly a Disney expert, but it seems like they definitely have their share of, you know, universes and characters that seem to be, you know, fairly, you know, stringent to, you know, Carla Barks comics or, you know, the different, you know, TV series and movies and specials and things like that. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, DuckTales is definitely, if nothing else, an honorable mention online. I watched the hell of that show. I loved it. I really wasn't a fan of the cartoon, uh, the cartoon movie though, because it it, it kind of had the same thing that uh, Generations had for me. It just seemed like a really long episode. I'm like, I don't really want to pay that much yeah. money for this. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, they already had an episode where, like, you know, Scrooge and Glomgold were actually looking for a lamp. So even as a kid, I was like, wait, they already had an episode with like a lamp and a genie. Why are they doing this again? Yeah, it, it was it was it did reek a little bit of cashing in. They're like, hey, we can make a movie. Fuck it, it's popular. We we already had an episode where Data was on a secret outpost and got discovered <laughs> by. <laughs> what are you doing? But yeah, but but. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But all in all, yeah, I do have to echo your sentiments. Ducktales was definitely a show I enjoyed highly. I I always got a good chuckle out of it and very much worth watching. Again, I'll go to Derek. He does seem to be very knowledgeable about this box sets. Probably available, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 like the Darkwing ones. I think there's three total. Bought them, but I haven't I haven't ripped them open yet or anything. But I think I got them pretty cheap. I think when I bought them, they were like eight ninety nine a piece. But I think the standard retail now is is like fourteen ninety nine or so. Or yeah, whatever. you don't have that, yeah. Yeah, you can get them at Walmart. Most WalMarts for like fourteen fifteen dollars. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, just just to note, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but the you call it the five part pilot episode is actually on volume two if anybody yeah. if that's a big deal to anybody that, like just so that you know. was one of those things that drove me crazy because that's that, actually that's my favorite episodes of DuckTales is that you know that pilot you know uh, the five part valley of the golden suns like I love that so you know when I read online it wasn't part of that first season I was just like what that's dumb I'm not even gonna buy this yeah that actually that that actually caused me to hold off on buying those until much later you know once I found out that all the episodes were released so but when I when they just released that first set I was kind of like the same as you Justin where I was like oh I don't know if I want to buy this now you know yeah and even though like DuckTales as a whole was animated very well I will have to say the first five parter did seem to have just a little more polish, if you yeah. know that makes sense. Yeah. It kinda reminds me of like the first five episodes of Turtles where the animation is really, you know, top notch, you know, for those at least those first five parts, you know. Yeah, just it just looks a little bit better. It's not 
super dramatic, but it's enough to where you can tell. You're like, yeah, they spent a little more time on this. So, yeah, one of those kind of things. Brian, you've been kind of quiet for a minute. What was what would be your favorite Disney tune, sir? I actually named number one as DuckTales as well. As well. A close second would probably be Tailspin. When I was thinking about the question for this week, I, I, I was remembering back to my childhood, and I thought it was kind of interesting that it was always shows like Transformers, Thundercats, Turtles that like ruled my elementary years. And then once I got into middle school, it's when, you know, DuckTales and Tailspin was on. And it seems like almost a step back, like maturity-wise. And I was wondering why I like it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just because, you know, the, the Disney shows were so well done. And they did such a good job with it. Eventually, I think they had like a morning block of... At least, at least, like, Tailspin and stuff, I remember being on in the mornings. And I remember they I, did uh, Saturday mornings. I don't know about weekdays. I could be wrong, though. Well, I woke up early specifically to watch it, like, before the school bus came. And I'm not a morning person at all, so that speaks a lot to, like, how much I enjoyed it at the time that I was willing to do that. So. Yeah, that's cool. Any any deeper thoughts or just pretty much just... Good nostalgia glasses. You guys have covered it pretty well. I will say that as an honorable mention, like my daughter absolutely loves the Darkwing Duck intro. Like we have an iPad and we can't let her hold it too long because she'll just replay that intro like over and over and over. It it is (laughs) annoyingly catchy. Darkwing Duck, let's get dangerous. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very catchy. All the Disney, all the Disney tunes had really catchy thongs. Thongs, (laughs) catchy thongs. What? Disney is dark. You know what? Shut up, Justin. You kept calling it Dark Tales. Um. <laughs> hey, Duck Tales is anti life. <laughs> no, but no, they all had very catchy songs. The only one who, the only show that actually did not have like a theme song normally would be Gargoyles. It just had kind of the orchestrated opening. So I noticed like <laughs> I noticed no one really talked much about Chippendale. Was that like one of your lesser favorites? Because it, it was mine. Like, it was really down like list I sure. always really liked. You know, like I said, I like all of them, but I really like Chippendale too, as well as Telespin. Like it, it was really hard for me to even pick a favorite. But I just, you know, I went with Ducktales because I think it was one I, to this day, I can sit down and still watch, and I see it as you know being influential on me. But yeah, I, I enjoyed Chippendales quite a lot too. I, I think Chippendale yeah. just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I liked the cartoon; it was really good for what it was. But I I played the Ducktales game, and the Ducktales game was rather easy. It had a couple of challenging spots, but that fucking Chippendale Rescue Ranger game could suck my ass. That thing yeah, hard. <laughs> you didn't know the Monterey Jack code. <laughs> it was really I mean if you did two players it was not as bad but one player that thing fucking sucked yeah it was really insanely difficult yeah oh but uh yeah we'll we'll go on to Mr. Derek he actually has not voiced his opinion on his favorite Disney show yet so what what well I guess I'm 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 secret brothers with Brian and Justin because DuckTales is my pick but I I almost want to say it's my pick by default because I was kind of looking over the the I, I looked over the Wikipedia page on Disney Afternoons just to make sure I wasn't you know remembering anything wrong or just you know refresh my memory or whatever but honestly like I watched DuckTales and like I watched a little bit of Darkwing Duck and 
all the other shows that were on the network, because uh, I know Brian mentioned, you know, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers and stuff. I, I remember a buddy of mine, you know, that good buddy that I watched Dragon Ball with and everything like that. Like, he was kind of shocked and appalled because he's like, he's like, wait, you don't watch Chippendale? Like, you didn't see that? Like, you don't know what the, you know, come on, Chippendale, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like. No, dude, I never watched. It was like it was kind of like after Ducktales, it just kind of stopped. Like I don't think I watched much stuff, and then I don't even know if this counts or not. I don't think it does. But like I said later on, I kind of when when I was playing Kingdom Hearts, I kind of got into the whole Hercules as Superman of that universe aspect to it, yeah. and so I you know I rewatched the movie and and started trying to track down you know episodes of the series, whether it was just on you know the Disney Channel to watch here and there you know, or anything like that, and so I watched, you know, probably like eight or nine episodes of that, you know, just out of enjoyment or whatever, but I don't even think that technically qualified as part of the Disney afternoon, so like like I was saying, just by default, I guess, you know, I love Donald Duck, he's my favorite Disney character, you know, I love all the old school, you know, Donald Duck cartoons and everything like that, and so I, I just think, you know, by the trait of, you know, duck you know i was like hey you know i i like this show and you know donald wasn't on like every episode or anything but every once in a while he was you know he had to hand off the nephews and you know he showed up every now and again and stuff like that but overall i mean i i pretty much watched that and it was mainly just at a fall you know i gotta add that like part of the appeal to ducktales for me might have been that the ducktales nintendo game was like badass even for like non-fans of DuckTales, yeah. it was like a solid game. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was like, it was kind of easy, but just not too easy. It was like, easy, easy enough. You know, it was like, where you could just get really into it. I don't know. It was just me. There were like, there were two of those, weren't yeah. there? Like, there were yeah, two there was two. Right? I, will, I will go ahead and be nice, even though I probably shouldn't. And I'll, I'll give a little bit of a shout out to the shows that did not get any love by any of us this week on Disney. Like, like Goof Troop. Goof Troop, <laughs> Bonkers, was it Bonkers? Wait, I wanted, to ask, I wanted to ask you guys this. Does anybody like Bonkers? Because I don't know anybody who likes Bonkers at all. I was not a fan. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know yeah, what it I is. Don't, I don't even remember what it is, yeah. It's Roger Rabbit as a cat, as a cop. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, as a cat? Orange? Was he orange? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I he had yeah, he had it a lot like Roger Rabbit, though. He was supposed to be crazy and zany and stuff, and he was a cop. Did he have a brother that was a tiger? <laughs> I didn't even watch him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He was a brother. <laughs> and another show that you probably never even heard of, I only remember the name of it. I never watched a single episode. It's called Marsupalami. It wasn't very good either. Yeah, never even saw, never even saw that. So, it is 1993, so it was Disney Afternoon, pretty much. So, yeah. But, yeah, as as Disney went on, they did change their way of releasing things. I don't, I'm like you, Derek. I don't really consider Hercules or Aladdin or any of those shows. I think when I, when I looked on the wiki page, they seemed to count Aladdin as part of it, but they didn't say anything about Hercules. So, I just kind of wondered, because it seemed like they were the same kind of type of show. Yeah, know? to me, I, I was I was considered kind of ending with Gargoyles. That's how I always saw it, so. Like, going back to Goof Troop real quick, I'll tell this story. A good buddy of mine, like, he he absolutely hates, you know, stuff like anime, and, like, the only cartoons he even likes would be, like, Family Guy and Futurama and The Simpsons, but one day he, he went to work, and I was kind of, you know, snooping around on his computer just to see what I could find, and I find, like, 
a lot of you know questionable movies, but then I found <laughs> some, I found something else. So I, I kind of waited for him to get home. So I was like, so I was on your computer. He's like, oh, uh, uh, I, I can explain those movies. I was like, yeah, I bet you can. So when were you going to tell me? He was like, well, uh, I was like, so when were you going to tell me you like the Goofy movie? <laughs> he just started cracking up. So. <laughs> Like nice. that, like that was like one of his secrets. Like he, he would always sit down and watch, you know, the first Goofy movie, like you know, just randomly, just because he loved it so much. And he, he even had like MP3s of some of the songs in the movie. And like, I always thought that was is that, funny. Is that like the same type of setup as Goof Troop, like with his son and stuff? Yeah, like that? his son's like older his son Max. Yeah, his son's older though. He's like they they are growing apart or some shit. Uh, okay. Like I always thought it was weird, like <laughs> going from the Goose Troop show to the first movie. Like they don't really tell you what happened to some of the characters, like Pete's wife and you know their little daughter. It's just like, you know, did they get a divorce? Did they die? Like what happened? <laughs> I always thought it was like weird that they never explained in the show. It's like, hey, Dad, whatever happened to Mom? Well, Gar, she died in a horrible train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everywhere. Pete <laughs> probably is going to call out for Lord Mephisto to save him one of these days. I think. Pete also sacrificed his marriage. <laughs> Literally, but they don't even realize. They don't even reveal it in the second movie. It's like, like Pete, why? Where's your wife at? And like, he just steps in. Well, I was fucking her like crazy, and Pete got rid of that bitch. <laughs> oh man. The worst Goofy ever. He's no, it's actually a pretty decent Goofy. I'm like, oh, send your angry emails to email dot com. Well, I'd just be like, what? the worst Goofy as far as like personality. <laughs> well, yeah, if you did like a poor Goofy impersonation, it'd be like a lot less disturbing than it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty impressive Goofy. Gahil? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Do it's like it's like he really wasn't falling to his death when he went wahoo that one time. <laughs> <laughs> That's also how he climbed. <laughs> I gotta log out. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I can never do the impersonations I want to do. I just, I just end up doing the ones I never thought I could do on this show. But yeah, Goof Troop was not one of my favorites. I'll go ahead and. Echo everybody else's thoughts on that one. But, yeah, Disney cartoons. I mean, it, it's kind of like what Brian was saying. And, you know, I mean, Derek, everybody, everybody pretty much echoed this statement, even though they were kind of more kiddie in a way because they, they were, you know, talking ducks and stuff. At the same time, they were so well done. They had such good quality to them. And the stories were entertaining. So, you know, fuck it. Like, regress a little bit. Be a little bit of a child, you know. Enjoy a good, fun story. You know, check out some of these TV shows. They're they're very much well worth it. So, and segue. Speaking of kind of kiddie shows, we're going to talk about something now called Superhero Squad. This is pretty much Marvel's attempt at kind of a younger fan base show. For a long time, Marvel has been known for, you know, X Men and their favorite father figure Wolverine, you know, they've done a couple of Avengers cartoons, they've had Iron Man stuff, but they've been trying to aim a little bit lower on the demographics. Perfect example, Iron Man, Teen Tony, yeah, Iron Avengers, Teen Tony, you know, it's like a little bit younger, you know, it's not the guy we know from the movies. They're trying to skew a little bit to the younger demographic. The funny thing about Superhero Squad 
however, is it's not a bad show for adults. It's pretty damn amusing. It's very entertaining, at least to me and a few of the other fan holes. And more than a few of us got into it. So I did have to do some homework this week just to kind of catch up on it. But all in all, I, I think we're all pretty positive about it. But I'd like to hear some more in-depth thoughts from my fellow fan holes. So I'm just going to throw it out here to – I think I've done pretty good on going to everybody tonight. So I'm just going to go to Justin first. What, what, what do you think about Superhero Squad? I really like it. Like I'm, I was one of those people who just kind of poo-pooed it as being like you know a kitty show and you know all all the character designs and like little small midget versions of each other or whatever. But I think it was Derek who first you know pointed it out. It was like it's actually worth watching. It's pretty funny. So I I sat down and watched a few episodes and you know he he was right. It's it is it is very much you know like a show for kids that kids can enjoy because there's all kinds of you know stuff like fart jokes and such, but there's also like all kinds of nods to you know like older fans like they'll they usually have like a title card that'll be reminiscent of you know Fantastic Four number one or you know they'll they'll make some kind of off reference to you know some kind of old X Men story or something you know like that. I've really enjoyed it. And I sat down and watched most of season two a few weeks ago and. I really enjoyed it, and I, I like any time they cut to Thanos and Adam Warlock being trapped in the Infinity Gems, and like it's just, it's just this dimension, and it's just you know Adam Warlock and Thanos in a bunk bed, and Thanos is constantly <laughs> going on about like how he's going to raise all these different kinds of chickens and stuff, and there's an episode where they fight you know the Dark Silver Surfer, and he's like you know. He's he's like throwing all this crazy stuff at him, like from his infinity gauntlet, like hit those fish at him and like penguins and like a kitchen swing is just like it was just cracking me up. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they're not afraid to kind of go bizarre with the humor and kind of you know they're not afraid to make people laugh. You know. Yeah, it's like you know in a normal cartoon with like you know Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer, like you would never see. You know, Silver Surfer fights somebody with like you know a chicken or you know like a kitchen sink or something. But it's it's that kind of thing that like I appreciate. But they also like I was saying they also do not older fans. Like they one of my favorite episodes is the one with Devil Dinosaur. Like I I never thought I'd see an animated version of Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. So I like you know I kind of applaud yeah. them for that. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing when I saw like Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. I'm like, really seriously? <laughs> yeah, they kind of you know the. You know, scrape the bowels of the Marvel Universe just to see who they can come up with this thing sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, one, of the, one of the things I kind of appreciate about that, though, too, is that it's not only is there no costume shame, but there's no classic costume shame. You know, Sabretooth oh, no. shows up. And he's in the old school, you know, feral hair let loose. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the Jim Lee outfit or whatever, you know, like, especially the first season, you know, Thor was in his classic outfit, too. Where's the helmet? Yeah, so, you know, I, I totally appreciate that. Well, I mean, I guess we'll go on to you, Derek, because you, you're probably one of the biggest supporters of the show in the Van Holes continuum. So, like, what what just really clicks with you in this show? What makes you just really want to watch it? love, uh, just speaking of, like, voice actors and stuff like that, like, I really love Mark Hamill as the Red Skull. I really love Jonathan Frakes as the High Evolutionary. So, like, those are some things that are kind of, like, highlights for me. But Like we mentioned before, you know, Thanos has the same voice actor as Darkwing Duck and <laughs> Big Bad Pete, you know, Jim Cummings and stuff like that. And then, like Justin mentioned before, you know, there's also, you know, a lot of classic cover 
homages, you know, in the beginnings of the episodes, you know, I think I was, I was looking at a couple episodes before I started the show. And then like one of them was the one it's like, they kind of ape the Kree scroll war cover where they're, you know, it's like, they've got Iron Man, Cap and Thor, you know, and they're watching the Avengers walk away, sort of disbanding or whatever it is. But instead it's like superhero squad members. You know, I like that the show does skew younger because it, it kind of reminds me of like when I, you know, kind of, I, I think Mike mentioned this about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and I think it's true of me with Marvel. And then as far as DC goes, it'd be shows like the legendary superpower show and galactic guardians and things like that. You know, those things kind of opened my eyes to, you know, you know, almost subconsciously to things like the DC and Marvel comic universe, you know? So, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of kids out there now not even registering yet. You know, they're just seeing all these characters going, Ooh, okay, cool. I like this show, you know, Hulk's funny or what, you know, whatever it is, you know, like Captain America says, hop, hop, hop. Okay. That's cool. You know, or what, whatever the characters they're seeing and, you know, maybe, you know, five or 10 years from now, you know, they can graduate to, you know, you know, regular comics or watching, you know, Iron Man movies or, you know, what have you, playing the video games and stuff like that. You know, it's cool to see all the, the you know, various characters that make cameos and special appearances. Like, you know, like Justin said, he never thought he'd see Devil Dinosaur. You know, I, I didn't think I'd see a, a an actual, like, it's, it's nice to see the high evolutionary and he doesn't look like a, a friggin', you know, whack job, whatever he was, <laughs> you know, where he was voiced by uh, Inox, whatever, you know, I'm like, I, I kind of like when the High Evolutionary shows up and I recognize him, where I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the High Evolutionary, I recognize you, like, cool, great. The only, the, uh, there there haven't been too many episodes that I disliked, the only thing I'm just going to throw out there is, that, that I forget which episode it is, but I think it's the first one that introduces Hercules, I was kind of disappointed, like, I, I know, like, sometimes they do the, you know, the lowbrow, you know, the fart jokes and that kind of thing, which I don't mind, because it's like, to me, it's not that big of a deal, but I, I, I don't know, it was weird when they did the, the lowbrow thing with Hercules, because they had his armpits, like, full of hair and everything, and it was supposed to be like a slam at, like, you know, Greek lifestyle or whatever it was, and I don't know, I just thought it was kind of off, but other than that, like, you know, most of the other stuff is, you know, just kind of good, clean fun, and, you know, it's stuff that I enjoy, so. Yeah, I think probably, I don't have a whole lot to say that doesn't echo what you and Justin have already said, I think the only thing I can really add to it is it's really nice that Wolverine is a major character in this show, he is a part of, like, you know, the superhero squad and whatnot, he is a popular character, even though we get tired of him. But at the same time, it is nice that they don't concentrate on him all the fucking time. You know, he'll have a couple episodes, you know, like like one of my favorite ones is the Captain Canadian one. And he, I think he's actually called Captain Canadian, not Captain Canada. Or he might be called Captain Canada, I'm not sure. But, yeah, okay, he does have a couple of spotlight episodes. But it's not always, you know, Wolverine and the superhero squad. You know, actually, uh, Iron Man's the leader, and... It's it's just kind of refreshing that you can actually have a popular character like Wolverine in a show and not just fucking fan-wake him all the time and just be like, you know, Wolverine, Wolverine, Wolverine. So I appreciate yeah. that. Actually, one of my favorite episodes is a Wolverine-heavy episode, and it's the – I think it's called Too Many Wolverines. And it's where oh, yeah. the egghead keeps making all these clones, but they're all messed up. It's like, you know, you'll have a girl Wolverine or, like, a French Wolverine or uh, Australian <laughs> yeah. Wolverine. So. That was one <laughs> of the ones I watched. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And I guess the I, other... I, liked, 
I like at one point, like, Thor's like, there are so many Wolverines. This must be how he appears on so many comic covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the only other note I was going to make about it is I do kind of like the throwback to 80s tunes where Doctor Doom is this massively, especially the season one. Season two is not so much. They kind of focus on the infinity gems and whatnot. But in season one, Doctor Doom is very much your classic uber-powerful supervillain who has all these plans, and all he has is, like, dumbasses around him, like Modoc and the Abomination, who just can't do shit right. And it, yeah, they're, they're pretty much the Bebop and Rocksteady of, of his crew, almost. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does take me back, because it's like, Dr. Doom's always like, you know, go get me the, you know, the, the shards, you know, so we can put the, the Infinity Sword together, and they're like, you know... Yes, sir, we'll go through that, you know, I'm Modoc, and they, like, go off and totally <laughs> fuck everything up. And Doctor Doom, again, you know, he gets to have his little rant at the end of the show, is like, why must I be surrounded by such incompetent, you know, it just, it, it takes me back, you know, it's, it's very nostalgic how they kind of cast him in that kind of Skeletor vibe, where he's not incompetent, really, but his minions are so incompetent, it kind of rubs off on him, because there's a couple of episodes where Doom is rather amusing. He does some kind of stupid things. So I, I like the kind of, again, nostalgia glasses they kind of put on Doom for that. Um, what about you, Mike? What do, what do you like about uh, Superhero Squad? I've only seen a couple episodes, but from those couple, like, I really wanted to see more, because, yeah, I, I was laughing my ass off at a lot of stuff. Um, I watched the episode when, uh, I think it was called something uh, like the Black Widow Sting or something, but I just wanted to see that because a songbird was in it, and I love the Thunderbolt, so I just needed to see that. I also watched, yeah, the Too Many Wolverines episode, which was hilarious. I like when they're ca- catching them all, and they're using Canadian bacon as the as the bait. <laughs> and, like, and, like, the Wolverine clones are like, ooh, Canadian bacon, and then, like, they put a net over them and stuff. But that that was good. And the other episode I loved was the one where they they fight the Squadron Supreme and Adam West voices Nighthawk and yeah, and like it's like a Batman parody and he's like he's just like Iron Man's just like why are you so depressed all the time and and he like Nighthawk's like because of Tommy and not Iron Man's like Tommy who's that your son your father and he's like Tommy is was my pet tortoise. I took him out walking one day. Why didn't I put a leash on him? <laughs> and like, like it, and like all the like, it's clearly making fun of Batman because, like, like, like the Grandmaster is saying something, and like you hear Nighthawk go, "I knew that. I know everything." You know? <laughs> yeah. And the, he's like, he's like. I knew that, but then the the other thing was the Power Princess is funny. Oh, too, with the Wonder like, Woman, yeah, stuff, my, yeah. I'm gonna hit you with my invisible shield, and then she like throws nothing, and then it like w- w- knocks over the Scarlet Witch. And stuff. Uh, oh, and she's like, and now I'm riding my invisible steamroller and my invisible battering <laughs> ram, yeah. and, and like then finally like the Scarlet Witch beats her because she's like, well, I'm about to shoot you with my invisible death ray, which is coated with like invisible shield piercing invisible bullet. And, and the Power Princess is like, I can't beat that, and I give up. <laughs> I also, like Derek mentioned, I also really love Jim Cummings as Thanos. He, I think he's hilarious. So like when he's like, uh, <laughs> etc. <cetera." laughs> 
But yeah, he's really funny. But yeah, that the this show is really funny. I think I'm gonna watch more of it. So that's 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 the biggest compliment I can give is I'll probably track down more of it now. Oh yeah, it's it's a nice thing when you actually want to see a show. That made me think he's talking about Jim Cummings doing the voice. It reminds me of how Silver Surfer is basically just Michelangelo, you know, how he's like totally yeah. cosmic, you know. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Brian? I know you've actually had to play a little bit of catch-up this week to get in on this. What do you think about the episodes you saw? Yeah, like Mike, I hadn't watched it a whole lot before doing the homework for this week's show. But I do actually quite like it. I hope that – I have a son on the way, and I hope that when he's like three or four, there's a show like this that is this well done so I can kind of initiate him into the Marvel comic universe because I think it is a very good primer for kids that, you know, are just watching the show and not really knowing that, you know, they're learning about all these great characters. It, like, is this something you would let your daughter watch? Yeah, actually, I was watching them some today, and she came in and she watched Too Many Wolverines with me. And <laughs> she liked it. Her her major complaint was that Spider-Man wasn't in it. So I was going to ask you guys if there's an episode with Spider-Man, because that's like the only hero she knows right now. As far as I no. know, Spider-Man will not be appearing in Superhero Squad in the yeah. That, that's probably the only. You're gonna you're gonna have to explain to her about like copyright law. Well, yeah. Oh like, uh, uh, no, more like licensing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's gonna go over. You're like, dude, there's a, there's an embargo, honey, on Spider Man. sitting there. Like, hey. I I I do enjoy like I don't know if cross pollination is the right word, but there's a lot of references in the show like directly to the comics, like what Mike was saying with too many Wolverines, you know, they make fun of him being on so many teams and on so many comic covers. But then also, as I was reading, like, Avengers Academy, I've been collecting the trades and catching up on those. Like, there's an issue where Striker's, like, basically pissed off about how lame the, the Avengers Academy is. And he's like, none of us are even in cartoons. Well, except for Reptile. And that just shows you how lame he is. <laughs> you know, because Reptile's in the superhero squad. So yeah. there's just little nods like that that, you know, I really appreciate both in the comics and on the show. So It's, it's kind of nice to have a show. Yeah, that makes, that makes me think of the episode where they're all looking for a house because they got kicked out of the helicarrier. And, like, one of the people they try to shack up with is the Punisher. And, like, that was, like, I think one of my favorites where he's just, like, apeshit and crazy and everything. And they're like, okay, we're not going to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> You're bad. Uh, one thing I did want to kind of throw out to everybody, as, as most people know, as far as the movies go from Marvel, Stanley tends to make a lot of cameos. And in Superhero Squad, Stanley does play a major role as the mayor. What do you think about the mayor character? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> he cracks me up. Like there's one of those later there's one of those later episodes where he like takes over like the superhero squad of flying car and he, he's gonna go like go try to save the day, but you know, he, he ends up getting into like some wacky adventures through that, so anytime the mayor's on there like I'm always like paying attention because he's usually can do something funny and stupid. Yeah, I think I think the mayor was tailor tailor made tailor made role for Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say it, but, like, I almost thought it was, like, a Stanley impersonator because, like, the delivery is, like, so good and natural. Like, I didn't think Stanley had those kind of, like, voice acting chops. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here, I'm like, is that Stanley? It sounds like it, but he's, he's you know, speaking well. <laughs> he's putting his lines well. I don't know. 
It's, it's, He's getting some some good direction, some good voice coaching. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, Stan, do this like Lionel. Well, superheroes, Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> True believer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually like the mayor too. I, I especially like his really, really incredibly silly getup. Uh, another thing I like is uh, if if I sit down and watch more than like two or three episodes in a row, like. This, the theme song ends up getting stuck in my head for days. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 I really, I really when, like when the theme was, song. When I was watching it online, actually, like, I don't know if it's just the side I'm watching, but, like, the first commercial break, it seems like for the bumper, like, they were always playing this Infinity Gauntlet, like, segment, but it had the theme music. Is that, like, normal? Is there, like, some Infinity Gauntlet, like, series coming down the pipe or what? I know, I know there's video game stuff. And the second season has the Infinity Gauntlet, but I'm I'm not sure what the question is exactly. Well, He's saying it's sort of like a different music sting for like the Infinity Gauntlet episodes. Yeah, well, at, at the side I'm watching it on, like they'll show the like, the intro music and like the normal intro, but then like the first break where a commercial would go on TV, they show like this Infinity Gauntlet like animation where like they're battling you know Thanos and stuff in space. And but they play the theme song over. It's like on, on each episode I watched, they did that, so I didn't know what was going on. I don't know. Okay. I know, this they have, they, I know sometimes they have like a power up sequence, sorta, where like Iron Man goes, "Let's hero up." Yeah, hero up. They do all yeah. their little poses and stuff, but yeah, this was outside of that, and it was like the same animation each time. But I don't know. Yeah. Who it, will it, save the day? <laughs> it always sounds to me, even though I know it's not the same band, it always sounds like the offspring to me. I don't know. It's probably yeah. just how it starts. A superhero squad here. It's flying through a town. It looks like toys. Superhero squad. Squaddies don't give up. They hero up. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, it, it's a fun show. If you have not a sense of humor and you want a fucking origin with every episode, then don't watch it. Even a two-year-old could tell you Superhero Squad is good. And in fact, a two-year-old would, would really like Superhero Squad. Exactly. But yeah, if you if you can take your comics with a grain of humor and... The animation's good, too. I mean, I like the designs. They are based... They, the show, as far as I know, I'm trying to think of the... It might be Hasbro. I don't know. But they have, like, a line of, like, squatty, like, you know... And when I say squat, I mean S-Q-U-A-T-T-Y looking toys that the series sprang from. You'll probably be familiar with them from, like, Galactic Heroes from Star Wars and Robot Heroes from Transformers. That's where the show actually kind of came from, <clears throat> for those designs. So. Yeah, it's all Hasbro. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's all Hasbro. And they came from the designs. They made a show, and hell, the show's good. Who knew? So, yeah, like I said, if you want something fun, hell, check it out. It's available in various forms. You can get it. Walmart or online, just, you know, check it out. It's still airing on Cartoon Network. I want to go ahead and jump ahead to our For the Future segment. It's self-explanatory. We're just going to talk about something that's coming out in the future. The uh, topic this week is there's a new Muppets movie coming out soon. This is kind of big in the fact that it's a theatrical release. A lot of the recent Muppet movies have been on DVD, direct DVD. Just like Marvel, Muppets is owned by Disney now. So this is actually kind of a big deal. So... I'm just kind of wondering what everybody thought about the trailer. The only thing we know about right now is the trailer. There's no real big hype for it, but the trailer looked kind of funny to me. But I'll go I'll go with Justin. He suggested the topic, so 
do you think about the Muppets trailer, sir? I think it looks very good. Like, I grew up watching, you know, the movies, of course. It seems like, I don't know if you guys think this, too, but it seems like the quality in, like, the Muppet movies went downhill, like, you know, after the mid-90s. Like, Muppet's Christmas Carol was really good, and then Muppet Treasure Island I thought was hilarious. But then, like... Muppet, Muppets from space! Yeah, yeah, that, not so much. Uh, there was a Muppet um, Wizard of Oz you know, kind of mashup, and I really enjoy some of the Oz stuff, but I never did track that one down just because, you know, I figured it would be another subpar Muppets thing, but it's good that they're actually going to try and, you know, do, you know, a, it looks like it's going to be a really well done and really well written, you know, proper Muppets thing. It's like, you know, it seems like they're going to, you know, maybe do some kind of story where it's like, you know, all the Muppets are getting back together after a period of time, you know, and like just some of the some of the stupid jokes in the trailer crack me up, like, you know, Fozzie wearing <laughs> fart shoes and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like it, it really cracks me up. And, you know, and I mentioned on a previous show, like, I got that uh, Muppets the Green Album CD, so I've been listening to that. So, like, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this movie. I think it's going to be, you know, a... A really good Muppets, you know, movie. So maybe it'll, you know, you know, we'll see some future Muppet stuff. I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is when I was a kid, a Muppet movie was actually a big deal. Because as most of you are listening are kind of aware, I'm one of the older Fan Holes members. And in the 80s and late 70s, I didn't see the first one in theaters, but I saw the other two. We had the Muppet movie, which was the first one. We had the Great Muppet Caper which is a huge movie, really, at the time, considering what the you know basis was, and it was like considered a really big success. And then we had The Muppets Take Manhattan. All those movies got a lot of hype. They were actually, like, you know, on tier with, you know, almost Disney movies as far as people wanting to see them. And then, like Justin said, they kind of started to kind of go downhill, you know. It was like, oh, a Muppet movie's coming out. Okay, whatever. But this one does seem to have a little bit of hype behind it. It also stars Jason Segal. Who's, if you don't know him, he's one of the regulars on How I Met Your Mother. Pretty funny guy. He usually does kind of raunchy humor in a lot of his movies, but he does have comedic timing and stuff, so I think he'll do well here. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I mean, I don't know if I'll see it in theaters, I'll be honest, but I would totally check it out on DVD. It does look funny enough. I think it will have that kind of hopeful, irreverent edge to theirs, just not cutesy humor. Because the Muppets have been known to dip into the cutesy side as well as the actual funny side. It's like, oh, okay, that's just that's just funny. So I kind of hope it goes that way. I think we've all seen the trailer, so what do you, what do you think about it, Derek? Are you kind of looking forward to it? or? Yeah. I'm probably more on the eh category. I, I like the Muppets. I think, not to be morbid or anything, but I, I think what's kind of being skirted around is is the fact that, like, most of the Muppet movies went downhill after Jim Henson died. No, I agree. I, mean, I agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's that element of, you know, you, you, you know, it's kind of like when I was a little kid and I got used to a certain actor playing Ronald McDonald and then, you know, all of a sudden they switch up on you and you're kind of like, hey, who's that guy dressed up like Ronald McDonald, you know? And you kind of, you know, I don't know, with me, I've always felt that way of, hey, who's that guy who's got his hand up Kermit's ass, you know, or whatever it is. You know? <laughs> have, you, Something, have you ever seen that, uh, that little segment for fans? Family guy. It's like, yeah, Jim Henson had pneumonia. Now we got weird sounding muppets, and they go to like Kermit, and he's like, "Oh, hello, Swedish chef. How are you doing today?" And like Swedish chef, he's like, "Oh, hey, Kermit. I'm making spaghetti." And Kermit's like, "Yay!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So it's like it's one of those things where, you know, you, you listen to the guy and it's like, oh, OK, it's a little off. You know, I think is it still Brian Henson doing Kermit now it or is it somebody? I don't know about now, though. Yeah, see, I don't even know who it is because it sounds a little off. Like, you know, and even when when his son did it, or you know, it didn't sound exactly, you know, you know, it didn't sound like Jim Henson. Uh, kind of the movies that Tony mentioned are the ones that I all grew up with. You know, the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, and the Muppets Take Manhattan. You know, that that was kind of the introduction to Muppet Babies. And then I remember watching, you know, that show. You know, I watched the Muppet show, at least the, you know, the original show. You know, not the. I, I never saw the revival version of it. I didn't see too many of the movies after the Muppets Take Manhattan. I, maybe you guys can help me out with this, but I, I remember I tried to watch one. All, all I really remember about it was I watched a little bit of it on cable, and it, it had Katie Holmes in it, which is why I paid attention to it for like five <laughs> seconds. And she was like, I think she was talking to Kermit or somebody. I don't remember, but it was kind of back in my, my Dawson's Creek heyday. So I'm all, what, Katie Holmes, it, huh? It might have yeah. been Muppets from Space, because I, I didn't really see yeah, all of that yeah, one. So, yeah, so I just kind of, you know, I just kind of watched it for a few minutes, thought it was kind of lame, and eventually, you know, switched the channel to a different cable station or whatever. But, you know, the trailer, at first I was kind of like, what is this, the Muppets, you know, Inception or whatever, you know, because the trailer music has to have all the, you know, you know, and I'm like, dude, it's just the Muppets, like, what's so serious all of a sudden? But eventually, you know, they kind of lighten up and go into, you know, different music and stuff like that. I think it's kind of a, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but it's kind of like the full shot of Fozzie, like, I don't know. You know, it's that weird aspect of me that, like, is like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't like fucking CGI. And, like, isn't the whole point that they're, you know, not CGI, the point of the Muppets? But I don't know. Well, like, I mean, you, know, you, you like, remember, like, uh, the great Muppet caper, everybody was, like, amazed because they actually used real Muppets when they were doing the riding the bike. Riding the bike. Right. Scene. It was like, oh, they're real, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, to me, like, I, I'm kind of in the, the Tony boat where, you know, I, I can probably confirm that I will not see it in the theater. And, and as to whether I'll watch it, you know, sometime down the road, I I doubt it. But, you know, maybe. Who knows? You know, never say never. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. I mean, I, I've seen a lot worse come out of, like, I mean, I can guarantee you I will see this movie before I see Smurfs or... Alvin and the Chipmunks, whether the next one's going to be. There's, they're making another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I can, I can say that, you know. Yeah, but, so, hey, but, uh, Smurfs, what are Smurfy? <laughs> you will not taint me with your fucking Smurfness, no motherfucker. <laughs> it is not. Hey, let's just, let's just all agree that, let's just all agree that bronies are the anti-life devil, and <laughs> and, and, and like all the other stuff. No bronies, bronies. Smurf off. Smurf you, bronies. Smurf you. Bronies will receive the gift of anti-life. <laughs> See, that, 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 that's more than enough reason to join my lord and master, Darkseid. Exactly. All hail, Lord Darkseid, and the further glory of Apocalypse. What about you, Brian? What do you think about the trailer? I'm hopefully optimistic, I would say. I, I saw the trailer and it looks it looks good, looks okay. I'm actually more excited the chance to, that this might possibly be my daughter's first movie, like in a theater. About that, you do have a kid and she would probably be all over this. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping it it turns out as good as I think it might. Like the problem is that it comes out I think is it November something. Yeah, it's near the end of the year. Yeah, but unfortunately they decide at least 
release a Lion King 3D in the theaters, like I think in September sometime. So it's my wife. Like, will... It's for like two weeks, dude. Can you believe that? Yeah, and I think like, my wife might yeah. make me go to that with my daughter first. So I'd rather, I'd much rather the Muppets be your first movie than that. But we'll see. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know, Mufasa is going to be scary. Well, she's seen it already, you know, on DVD. Okay. But, but I she's seen it in 3D. <laughs> Sorry, I hate 3D. Sorry. <laughs> Tony, you, you, you I, totally know that 3D is smurfy. I, thought, I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it's an overdone trend, but I remember when it wasn't like, you know, every movie was 3D. I, I went and saw The Nightmare Before Christmas in 3D, and I thought that was, you know, worth you know, something worth watching in 3D. I don't know how well that would translate to something like Lion King, but, you know, in some cases, it's, it's yeah, not. I mean, it if it's done well. Yeah, it depends on the movie. You know, I saw depends. Tron in 3D. It, it was actually the first new 3D movie I saw, because I really have tried to stay away from the trend. And honestly, Tron fit 3D. It actually, when I watched it, I'm like, okay, I can see why you would want to, you know, have this movie in this kind of format. So, I mean, if it fits the movie, I'm not against it, but Stuff like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, fucking 3D. I'm like, what do I care if I see an owl's every fucking feather, okay? I, I, wait, I, wait, you don't want to watch Piranha in 3D and, and Shark Attack in 3D? And You know what? Horror movies, it actually makes sense. I won't see those movies because I think they're going to be stupid, but at least that makes sense. I, I understand being scared. Okay, I saw Pirates of the Caribbean 4 in 3D. And you know what? Claim about that though, they don't even like even with Tron. It's like ninety percent of the movie isn't even shot in three D. It's just like two or three scenes. Then they make you wear the fucking goggles for the whole movie. Yeah, like a sword came at me twice, and I'm like, oh, that's three D. And the rest of it's just you know Johnny Depp like oh the drug Jack Sparrow. And I'm like, why do I need to see him drunk in three D? Yeah, so it depends on the movie. So we'll go to our final fan hole for trailer summations. What do you think about the trailer, Mike? I don't have many thoughts about it. I've never really been a Muppets fan. Like I, I've never like had a problem with them or anything. It's just like nothing I've ever watched and like at length really. I mean, if I see it, yeah, it'll be like on DVD or when like they show it on HBO or whatever, you know. So I mean, that's really all I have to say. I mean, I, I thought the trailer was pretty amusing, but you know, it doesn't get me really excited at all. Yeah, I mean. I don't know about excited. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wasn't excited. But the trailer I saw, I saw it before. It wasn't Pirates. It was crap. What the fuck was the movie I saw it before? It was a movie this summer. I've actually, like I said, I've been very... Crap. Coming soon. <laughs> <In> 3D. <laughs> I've, I've actually done pretty good on catching up with my movies this summer, so I've seen quite a lot in a short, a short period of time. But I think the thing I liked about it was is they started off as being kind of like a love story trailer where it was like, like I said, Jason Seagal and there's this chick who he's like, you know, after and they do the standard romantic comedy thing where it's like, but you know, he messes up and he's got a winner back and yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, wait, what's that? And then like Kermit comes out of a door and he's like, what, what's going on? You know, it was like, it was kind of a nice little swerve. I, I appreciated the, the kind of fake out. It was, it was, it was well done. So, I mean, again, like Derek said, like you said, I probably will get the DVD, like, not to buy, but I'll rent it. And if nothing else, I'll watch it on FX or TBS in a year or two. So. 
I, I was uh, gonna say I kind I kind of have that same reaction. Like I said, when the '80s show about like Scooby Doo, where like I'd I'd be like flipping channels, and then like you know I'd see like Muppet Babies or something, and I'd be <laughs> like, this is, and I'd be like, this is really the only thing that's on that like is remotely you know interesting or anything, and I'd like have that sense of okay, I'll watch this, but I'm not gonna enjoy it really. So it's like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I would say... <laughs> I would say your fan holes are kind of split on this. Justin is a Muppet uh, fan. Swear he does. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, Justin is, a, Justin is a Muppet fan. He's looking forward to it. Brian has a child, so obviously kids are going to love the Muppets. The Muppets are very child-friendly. So, I mean, if you have a kid or if you're just a long-long fan of the Muppets, check it out. If you're not quite so big on them... None of us are going to give you any shit for it, so, you know, watch at your own peril, I would say. To move on from the future to the current day, as you are very well aware by this point, episode 27, you are very, very well aware that we do something awesome every week in our universe. Just talk about something cool, books, movies, films, just some cool news, just something that makes us happy. So we're going to go into that right now. I am going to start the counter over. I went with Brian, I believe, at the beginning of the night. I'm going to start you off again, sir. Tell us what is your favorite thing in your part of the world this week. I have nothing awesome this week. This week I've been neck deep in studying and schoolwork and uh, just going back to school. But I do have something to talk about. This is something that's good, not great, or awesome. I've been reading a book. It's called Mustaine, a heavy metal memoir by Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. I asked that. I was like, is it about Dave Mustaine? <laughs> yeah. Written and, you know, co-written by whatever actual author with talent. It's an autobiography. <laughs> and it's it's decent. It's interesting, of course, learning about, you know, him growing up and, like, him getting into music and stuff and – he talks obviously a lot about like the fallout with Metallica and all that. Yeah, I was so, ask you about that if it goes into that at all. Yeah, and and I'm interested in that, but it seems like like his point of view has already been like I don't know shoved down my throat so much that <laughs> it's it, he doesn't need to spend like you know half the book on it again. I already know how he feels about the situation, but other than that, yeah, it's a it's a decent book. You know, if you can get it at your library, grab it, but. I'm not saying it's the awesomest book I've ever read. Worth at least checking out. At least yep. read, it in, read it in borders before they close. Cool. Always good to have some literary influence. Speaking of literary influence, I don't know if this is what he's going to pick this week, but usually Justin does do a book. He may go differently. Let's see which way the winds of fate change. What do you got this week, Justin? <laughs> well, the winds of fate are not in your favor. I don't have a book this week. No. Uh, <laughs> No. I actually owe my favorite thing of the week to Derek. He suggested that I check out Warehouse 13, so I sat down and watched the first two seasons of Warehouse 13 this week, and I uh, really enjoyed it. Like they, they kind of had me there with the first couple episodes of season one, and I really enjoyed it. And then like season two was just so much better. Like I just kind of sat down, like you know, glued myself in front of the screen watching season two. Like it, it, it really cracked me up. Like. I don't think I've laughed this much at a at a show and enjoyed it so much since like you know probably Angel or Firefly I guess. I'm not a TV dude. Can you tell me what it's about a little bit? 
Yeah, Warehouse Warehouse 13, just simply put, is Raiders of the Lost Ark meets the X-Files. Yeah. There's a, there's a big bunch of government guys, you know, kind of secret ops guys, and they have to track down all these things they call artifacts, which is basically, you know, any kind of object. You know, imagine X-Files stuff, but it's all associated with objects. So it could be something like, Spear of you know, destiny for, or something. Yeah, well, for instance, they, they there's an episode that's heavily based in, for comic book fans, I think it's in the second season, yeah. where if somebody wears Jack Kirby's belt... They get superpowers, you know. Get. And so, so, so there's all these kind of you know interesting historical figures that have certain you know special traits associated with these artifacts. And of course, you know the artifacts are traditionally they run amok, so they must be kept you know under lock and key you know in the warehouse. And so you know they've got a stern you know a taskmaster boss you know who who runs the warehouse. And then, you know, it's a male-female team, kind of like Scully and Mulder, you know, that, that go out on the cases and everything and, and track down the artifacts. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the basic setup. I mean, they add different characters as the series goes along and, and other people make appearances. I, think, I was about to say, didn't uh, Rene Abergenois join the yes, cast? That, that's, that's yeah, yes, that's one of my favorite episodes, actually. Yeah. Who, who, if our fan holes listeners don't know him by his, you know, actual name, he played Odo in DS9, so as, as well as Clayton Endicott on Benson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's like the only sort of science fictiony show that's currently on the air now that I really really enjoy, since they seem to you know take everything else you know off the air or whatever. It's quirky. It's funny. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's 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 got action in it. It's got science fiction in it. C C H Pounder plays Irene Frederick, Mrs. Frederick, who is kind of like the the boss above bosses or whatever. But I, I just want to give a shout out to her because she voices Amanda Waller on uh, the <laughs> Justice League cartoons, and I think like she would have made the best live action Amanda Waller in the universe. And it's kind of like I know you know they you know they got uh, you know. Um, I think of her name, but play Amanda Waller in the, the Green Lantern movie or whatever. But anyway, I think it's a shame. Like somewhere down the road, they should just you know cast her as a live action version of Amanda Waller somewhere. Yeah, uh, actually, so. to uh, add another Star Trek alumni, isn't Kate Mulgrew on there too? Mm, I think that's in season three. I haven't started season three yet. Okay, I, I've only watched a couple episodes, so I don't know. I, I saw a promo up. for Warehouse 13, and it was definitely Janeway. So. Uh, okay. I know they had two of the actors from Firefly in that uh, Jack Kirby episode, which yeah, made it even uh, even better episode. I thought <laughs> if you if you ever watched Frasier, which I don't know if you did, I was a big fan of the TV show. Daphne's jilted ex is the guy who controls the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, nobody watched that show. No, I watched Frasier. I'm just trying to picture. And I know who you mean, the, the little short guy, the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. like I, I don't yeah. remember him being on Frasier at all. Yep. I, I remember him mostly. Like I don't know why, because I, I I think it's because one of, it's one of my favorite movies or whatever. But True Romance, like he's he's in that as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, not to, not to sound like I'm being a profiler, I guess, but he's kind of the short, nebbishy, Jewish-looking kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, his name's already he, even on the show that you know his his background is he's a he he was a, a Russian Jewish man. So I mean, it's not. You know they're definitely you know playing to type I guess yeah. or whatever, but he's a he's a funny good oh, yeah, quirky yeah. character actor. So 
I mean, he and he he has a lot of you know he's got a lot of good moments. You know, he he can be really serious when he needs to and deliver the the drama part of it, but also you know he can be funny and 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 kind of witty with Claudia and some of the other cast members. I remember one of the episodes I saw it was like the Poseidon's Trident episode, I believe, and he do, he does a very good job of playing the unlikely hero. He's he's very good at that. Yeah, that that was the last episode I watched and. Uh... Uh, I really love that H.G. Uh, Willis character, but I don't want to say anything else about that in case you know somebody else decides to watch it after we've talked about it. Yeah, right on. I don't know if the uh, DVDs are available. Is there DVD sets out yet? There's there's DVD sets. I'm pretty sure there's DVD sets for season one and season two. I was kind of sad. Like I want, I, I would buy it if it was on Blu-ray. Yeah. So that's that's the recommendation I can give. Like if it was on Blu-ray, I would have bought it by now, but. I wasn't going to be suckered into buying it more than once. Yeah, so. it's also still currently airing on Sci-Fi, so their yeah. reruns are on there. I mean, you can watch the like backstory pretty easily. So, yeah, it is actually a good show. So, good, good job there, Eric and Justin. So, since you recommended something to Justin this week, what's your awesome thing this week, Derek? It's it's kind of a personal thing. It's not so much a recommendation as it is I, I got my dad into watching Angel. So I'm kind of happy and excited about that because, you know, every once in a while he'll come to me and be like, oh, I'm bored. And usually it's, you know, kind of, you know, I know it's the tail end of the summer and it's not, you know, it's September now. It's not really the summer anymore, but usually it happens in these kind of months. You know, that's kind of how I got him to watch, you know, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and some of the other Star Trek shows he hadn't checked out in the past. And he kind of was like, oh, you got anything for me? And I was kind of like, you know what, I think you should watch this. And I, I, I had mentioned it to him, you know, several times in the past that I think he would like it. You know, and sometimes like my dad does, he kind of goes, looks at it, you know, doesn't watch it, gets caught up watching other things or whatever. But, you know, sometimes when he's desperate, he'll check stuff out. And he, he obviously really enjoyed it because I think I only told him about it last week and he's gone He's already in the middle of season five, so you know what I mean. Wow. Like, kind of, <laughs> Holy crap! So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he, he basically was like, because I think you know, the, you know, normally he's he's you know he's retired, and normally he he goes out and flies his plane and stuff like that. But I guess he, he you know he hurt his back you know when he was moving the plane back into the space, so he hasn't had as much time to to go out there. And so I guess you know while he's kind of you know sitting down, you know, taking it easy, so he doesn't you know re hurt his back, you know, you know kind of gets better he's just been watching those those episodes and stuff and he he told me like the other night he's like oh man you know i don't know what it is about this show but i'm staying up to like two in the morning watching these these episodes you know so obviously he likes it and and i'm i'm kind of you know it's it's fun when you 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 know you like something and you know it's like i obviously i'm you know i gotta go to work and i gotta do other things so i can't you know watch every single episode, you know, in season, but, you know, I, I've been, you know, I watched an episode with them every now and then, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's fun to, you know, share something that you like with someone you love and stuff like that. So that's why it's my, my awesome thing this week. Fan holes, the podcast with a heart. <laughs> no, no, I totally get that though. I, I love it when I'm friends with somebody or even my family members and I show them something that I think is cool and they actually get into it. It's like, yay, we actually share this now. That's, that's pretty awesome. So I, I totally get what you're saying on that. I'm going to go ahead and go into mine just because, you know what, it's going to just be a fan love fest for Justin this week. Derek introduced him to a show that he apparently really enjoys now. I was actually excited to tell you this, Justin, because I saw it tonight, and it actually changed my favorite thing for the week because I know you're going to be excited. I know you're not, like, a huge fan of Ghost Hunters. I know you've watched it. I know you're like, yeah, it's what it is, what it is. But guess what they're doing next week? Well, I... 
I already know what you're going to say, but Fuck I know you. Evan. Now, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, you're going to watch it that far, yeah. I am. Like, not to rate on your parade, but I, I, I know what they're going to do. But you know, Okay, well, at least, let, at least let me expose it to the world then. Because right. uh, I, I actually thought about you when I saw this. Next week, Ghost Hunters, which is a show I've kind of fallen out with. I used to like it a lot when I was younger because they actually did find shit, and it was more in- interesting. But lately, it's just been like, we're looking in a house. Shh, did nope. you hear that? <laughs> what was that? What was that? It's kind of gotten a little formulaic, even for a reality show. But however, next week, they are going to be on the set of the old show Dark Shadows. They're actually going around the set and where it was filmed back in the 60s and stuff. And that's kind of cool that there's probably a history there. And, of course, they did the teaser where it's like, you know, they go on the set of Dark Shadows and, like, some chick's like, Woo! you know. At the same time, it seems really interesting to me because it is a supernatural show. And, like I said, I thought about Justin. I was like, he'll totally watch it. And if nothing else, hell, if I can get some Pamela downloaded, maybe uh, me and Justin could do a live chat and fucking talk about it for an hour. <laughs> we'll record it. Yeah, exactly. Record um, it, maybe do a fan hole side story on it. Yeah, like, I'm kind of the same boat with you. Like, I used to watch it quite a bit, but then, like, I don't I just kind of, like, fell out of that show, and it's like, you know, uh, my uncle was talking about Ghost Hunters, and he hates it, too, so he was like, you know, he's like, ah, Ghost Hunters. He's like, these people see more damn ghosts than exist in the whole entire planet. Like, he's like, this, you know, this show is garbage, so I, I yeah. kind of got his opinion of that, but then, like, when I read that online, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll, 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 I'll actually sit down and watch that. Yeah, so that, that should be pretty cool. And like I said, I was excited to tell, tell my friend Justin, even though he already knew and dashed my dreams. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I actually I actually would like to get on Skype and do like kind of like a live chat with that because I kind of want to see either A, if they actually find something that actually is interesting, or B, if it's just going to be them running around for an hour and just being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, Tony, spoiler alert, they won't find anything. <laughs> you know, okay, honestly, the show has been on for God knows how many years. Maybe it's, it's probably creeping up on 10 years by now. It's been on for a long fucking time. But in the entire time I've watched the show, I have actually seen two episodes where they've gotten, like, video evidence. I don't really go for the EVPs because, like, I can, like, you know, crack my toes and, like, it'll sound like, you know, I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> you know, so I don't really go with the whole, like, you know, we hear voices, but they did have, like, one thing that really creeped me out. They went to a lighthouse, and I can't explain it. Yeah. I, and, yeah. The, like, a fucking something, I don't know what the fuck it was, moved a fucking chair. They had a camera in a room. Nobody was in there. They had gone downstairs. There's nobody in the whole fucking place. The chair moved in a way that was not, like, when... It wasn't like, you know, just Water like, oh, art. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little creepy, you know. But the thing is, is like for every thing like that, yes, there are a hundred episodes where it's like, you just got some electromagnetic interference and you ain't got no ghosts. So uh, thanks for watching, assholes. You know? <laughs> you know, have so. you guys watched on YouTube like the it's kind of parroting Unsolved Mysteries, but it's with Ultra Magnus? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who killed Optimus Prime? Yeah, yeah. I love the like 
they're, you know, aping, well, that's funny, I chose that word, aping, but they're, you know, making fun of these ghost shows, and they have, like, Opti- the Optimus Primal toy, like, walking, and you hear a, and then he, like, turns around, shh, did you hear that? It's just really <laughs> funny. That always cracks me up when I watch that. Yeah, I know, I know I, I, I mentioned Supernatural on the other podcast, and, and one of my favorite bits that they do is they're like, Ghost facers. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that their version of these guys that obviously know dick about the supernatural in a universe where the supernatural is actually real. So I always I always thought that that was pretty hilarious, you know, especially the episodes where they get Sam and Dean on the show, you know, and it's like an all ghost facers episode. Like those always crack me up because I'm I, not to rag on a Tony or Justin's parade, but I, I kind of agree with the way they portray you know, the ghost facers on Supernatural where they're basically something to be mocked where I, I don't really take it seriously enough to, to watch or anything like that. It's, it's like, it's like, I was going to say, it's like the episode of South Park when they have like the ghost hunters there and they're like, uh, they're like, what was that? What was that? A warm liquid is trickling down my leg. What, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I am totally fine with putting this out there. I do believe there is like such thing as ghosts and stuff like that. But at the same time, I totally understand that these shows are meant to be entertaining. I understand that yeah. these guys are going out there to put on a spectacle, you know, and like if they get something every once in a while that's kind of like interesting, yeah, I will be interested. But at the same time, I do realize, like I said, the fucking the voice audio where they're like, you know, listen to this, it's a little girl, and it's like, I'm like, yeah, she totally told you that she wanted a cupcake. Yeah, good job. You totally cracked that case wide open, you know? <laughs> I mean, because I've seen stuff in my own life that is, like, a little bit creepy. And you know what? I totally understand if I told somebody, like, you know, I thought I saw a ghost, they would think I'm crazy. It's totally understandable, and I get that. But when you put it on TV and your science, your science is flawed, you know? <laughs> I understand why people would mock that. And I do what – and at first, Ghost Hunters was entertaining for that because they were amusing, but – Again, like me and Justin just said, it did get tiresome after a while. It was like, all right, you guys are walking around with, like, fucking night vision cameras. Are you fucking hurried up or some shit? But the main reason I want to watch this episode is mainly because of Dark Shadows, not so much because of the Ghost Hunters, because I'm kind of hoping for a little bit of maybe, like, I think Justin would agree with me, like, a little bit of dirt on maybe Dark Shadows, because they do do a little report on what happened there and stuff. It would be kind of interesting to hear that. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool. So that's just me. I think we've hit everybody except for Mike this week. What's your cool thing, sir? Well, earlier this week, I think someone mentioned it, actually. the chain. I think you mentioned it, Tony. The bookstore uh, chain Borders is going out of business. And earlier this week, I wandered into the Borders in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And, you know, I wasn't really expecting to find anything. I figured, like, everything would have been gone by now. I think they're, like, on the final two weeks of business. And everything in the store was, like, 60 to 80% off. So I was kind of like, ah, maybe I'll find, like, a hidden gem. But there was actually a lot of decent, like, good stuff, (laughs) like, left. And I, like, I I spent, like, 40-something bucks in there. And I came off with a lot. I listed everything I got. And uh, I got the first DVD set of Dragon Ball Kai. Nice. Let me see. Uh, a, a couple mangas, Street, the first volume of Street Fighter Gaiden, 
the final oh. manga adaptation of Gundam Double O, a copy of Super a Superman Red Sun, which I have read but I've never owned. That's the Russian one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's um, a good book. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, one. I, I I like the story, but like I never owned it, so I was like, oh, for like six bucks, I'll own it, you know. <laughs> And Spider-Man, a uh, Hobgoblin lives the trade, which I, again I've already have all these issues, but it was nice to get them all compacted. It's like the, the what I consider the final appearance of the real Hobgoblin in Spider-Man <laughs> continuity, pretty much. It's got like the the Hobgoblin lives miniseries, and then like the little spectacular when like the original Hobgoblin and Norman Osborn met, and it it oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's it's it's like it's not the best team like I. I I don't think they even really fight that much, but it, it's it's you know it was fun to see, and of course Norman has to win because he's you know he's he's reg, he's Coke classic, and you know Roger Kingsley's just Diet Coke, but you know it was still yeah, cool to see. You, you, it was still cool to see them in the same room and all that. What else did I get? Does this one have the one where they thought it was Ned Leeds for a minute, or is it just? No, it's it's the first, the miniseries that revealed that it wasn't Ned Leeds at all, and it was Roger okay. Kingsley. And then it has like the little spectacular Spider-Man arc where Roger Kingsley and Norman Osborn get to meet each other and kind of like match wits and stuff. So you okay. know, it's a good, it's a nice six issues. You know, I got the second volume of Incorruptible. You know, I keep trying to find a, the second volume of Irredeemable, but it's never like there. Like, in, but oh, Incorruptible okay. is everywhere. It's like I guess that's not as popular, but I, I just picked it up. A Boba Fett trade. It's called Man on a Mission. I don't know. It just has a bunch of Boba Fett one shots. And that's it. Oh, and I also found the book that the guy from Comic Book Resources, you know, the comic urban legend column, the book he wrote. I think it's called Was Superman a Spy or something. And I found that. Yeah, book. and other, other comic book yeah, legends. Yeah, yeah. So I got all of this for like a little over 40 bucks. So I thought, I thought that's yeah. Great. Pretty good yeah, haul, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with it. I could have, no, I passed up on it, but... Almost the entire what whatever's been released in English, a run of Trigun, the manga was there, and I almost like bought a sickening amount of Trigun mangas, but I was like, <laughs> eh, you know what, never mind, because I didn't feel like lugging like fourteen or fifteen volumes of it up to the register, so. <laughs> I was just happy to get all that, and like I was surprised that there was still like decent stuff left in Borders. So, yeah, I was about to say if you guys get a chance, there's probably a couple Borders still open across the country. May not have as good of a chance as Mike did with the fines he got, because yeah, I'm sure that shit's going pretty fast. But hey, I think I think it's a. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's a west to east coast thing because I think the Borders out here went that route a few months back, so I think it's it's finally, like, made its way all the way over to the... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it seems yeah. Like, yeah, that could I don't know, be. I, could, I, don't, I don't know if Brian can confirm the theory, but, you know, it's like... that. That's what it seems like to me, is that, like, all the shops here are now basically closed up, dead, and have little dust balls, you know, going through them, you know, but... Yeah. It's good that it sounds like you you at least had a bunch of cool stuff to take a look at because I would I would kind of walk in there and they'd be like here's some shelves and appliances and then I go <laughs> and it'd be like here's you know clamp sweetie manga and I'd be like yeah okay I'm not too into that you know like or whatever it was that was you know on sale. Well, I remember a couple of years ago a media play went out of business and I, I grabbed 1602 
all the Death Notes that have been released at that point. I got my Transformers price guide that I still have today because I just love the fact that it has every single G1 figure pictured. It's the one by Mark Belomo. Very good little book. And I got all that for like 30 or so bucks. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate I hate to see businesses go out of, you know, stock and lose all their money. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> I get cheap shit. Yay. Yeah, if you're on the East Coast, yeah, check out if you have a Borders around you. They're probably going out of business. You may not, like I said, get as good of a haul. Yeah, I just checked the website, and it said, like, last 14 days or something. So it's probably in, like, within two weeks or so. Yeah, like I said, you probably won't get as good of a haul as Mike did, but you never know. You might find a couple of good gems. So check it out. Like I said, it's sad to see a business go out of uh, business go out of business, but at the same time, I ain't gonna lie. If it benefits you, hell, take advantage of it. I think we're pretty good for this week as far as our topics. We've had a pretty good little time tonight. We've talked about some interesting things. Just to let you know, in upcoming future fan holes podcasts, we do hope to garner some more guests. I'm pretty sure you remember our Guestinction Agenda event we had a little while ago. We're looking forward to a certain professor coming back to talk about wrestling. So that's just a little bit of a teaser of what may be coming up in future Fan Holes podcasts. But as far as I know, that's about it for this week. Get a hold of us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Let us know what's going on. We have a Facebook page. A friend of ours has been really lighting it up there. Don't leave them alone. Give them a little bit of friendship. Let them know that you enjoy the Fan Holes podcast, too. We have a Twitter. We have all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. And, hey, requests, questions, comments, criticisms, always welcome. We enjoy feedback from our fans because, hey, we are fans, and we like to hear from you. All right, squaddies, time to hear a Until then, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off on this part of the uh, country on the East Coast where Borders is dying a slow death. I am Tony Chainclaw. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> hey, it's Mike uh, Thunderwing. No! This is Smurfy Greenwood. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> until next week. Is that like, is that like G2? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Blame. Um, until the next time we see you folks on the Panels Podcast, we will be here ready and willing to entertain you. You have a good night. Peace. No!